My name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast, a place for extended, in-depth discussions about the rebirth of virtuous masculinity happening around the world today. My guest this week is a Christian husband and father, plus fitness influencer, men's coach, podcaster, Italian, and friend. Please welcome back to the podcast, the man of boldness himself, Mike Pantile. This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. One of my favorite things is watching my friends grow, not just physically, but financially, morally, spiritually, you know, life fully. I like to think that I see at least some potential in everyone, though I learned long ago that I may see things about them that they don't. And of course, I'm not above the all too human projection of my own qualities good and bad, onto others. So I have to be aware of that too. But when I see something good in a man, and then they and time both do their part to bring it out, it's profoundly rewarding. First, because I get to be right, obviously. Second, because I get to celebrate with them and their fulfillment. That's pretty cool. Third, because one of the most meaningful victories that any man can achieve is over the low expectations set by his own limited self-concept. Come on, is there anything better than that? Isn't that why we watch movies? Fourth, because there's this little thing called the Renaissance of Men that this one dude told me about, and it's pretty neat to see that take shape in individual men's lives. And fifth, and finally, when it's a Christian man, praise God for sanctification, regeneration, God's promises, redemption in Christ, the work of the Holy Spirit, and all the proof that I ever need that we serve an awesome God who is very, very real. We know because he raises dead men to life. He started with his own son, after all. So yeah, growing people. Pretty cool. I'm all about it. Which brings me to my guest this week. His name is Mike Pantile. And if you're thinking to yourself, wasn't he just on yesterday? Indeed he was, back in February. But my scheduled guests, the Iron Disciples, had to cancel last minute due to a family emergency. So please keep John and Joe from the group in your prayers. So Mike, being the solid dude he is, came in off the bench to fill in. And it was neat because we got to catch up on what's been a wild year for us both. In case you hadn't heard, Mike's become kind of a big deal. He's co-hosting the Masculine Revival podcast with Brendan, running a new men's coaching business, and he just became a new father to his second child, a daughter. Meanwhile, he just got baptized a year ago. And since then, he's had the usual meteoric growth on social media, which we've come to expect from such based and handsome, honest and virtuous gentlemen as himself. In our conversation, Mike and I discussed the end of the manosphere, shame, honor, and apologies, the pattern of idolizing, demonizing, and humanizing our fathers, keeping the Sabbath holy, the joy of being a father to daughters, and finally, laying our cards on the table. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you. Please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, a five-star rating on Spotify, plus share this episode or another one of your favorites with a friend. The Renaissance of Men podcast is proudly sponsored by Reformation Coffee, 
providers of fine hand-roasted coffee beans by Pastor Brandon Lansdowne in Springfield, Missouri. All my listeners need to be drinking Reformation coffee beans because they're glorifying God with one fresh-roasted bag at a time while building into Christendom and creating godly prosperity for a good man and his family. You can go to ReformationCoffee.com right now and try one of their four signature roasts, each of which is produced on demand for your order and shipped right away. And when you sign up for a regular coffee subscription, use the code SUBFREE to get one free 12-ounce bag on the house. Again, go to ReformationCoffee.com and when you subscribe for regular coffee delivery, use the code SUBFREE to get one free bag of coffee. Coming up on Friday, November 11th, I'm excited to announce the third edition of the Renaissance of Men digital conference series, featuring a list of speakers targeted specifically for the most at-risk demographic in America today, young men. This conference lineup features David Hammond, Rob from The Grounded Athlete, Arthur Dane from Blood and Rain, Zach from Kaz TV, Jonathan West of the Being Husband podcast, and The Iron Disciples. They'll be discussing six crucial masculine virtues, brotherhood, dedication, humility, discipline, focus, and vision. Tickets are available now at renofmen.com conference and use the code renofmen for $5 off. I understand how difficult it can be for young men today to find godly, powerful sources of wisdom. I'm so proud of these guys for stepping up to the plate to share their thoughts with you. Again, join us on Saturday, November 11th for a full-day event live on Zoom, the third edition of the Renaissance of Men Digital Conference. Visit renofmen.com conference for more and use the code RENOFMEN for $5 off. Also, before we begin, speaking of personal growth, I'm blessed to know more than one man that this applies to. So shout out to my friend and brother Jeremiah Hendry and his new wife Elizabeth, who got married last weekend in a beautiful ceremony in Texas. Congratulations, you two. I'm so incredibly happy for you both, and may God bless your union. And please welcome this week's guest on the podcast, a man of God, husband and father, focusing on masculinity, marriage, fatherhood, and fitness, Mike Pantile. Mike, thanks for jumping in on the podcast today. Dude, thank you for having me again. I uh, That appearance on that first one was easily one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. So grateful to be here, grateful to know you. I'm uh, looking forward to whatever we're going to get into today. It's always interesting talking to you, man. We're going to get into trouble is what's going to happen. Your hurt feelings recap. Now, uh, real quick, just, you know, thanks. For, I appreciate, um, you know, the Iron Disciples had some, had, some, uh, had some stuff going on in their personal lives. So I just appreciate you being available to pinch hit at the last minute. Of course, man. I'm uh, super grateful to make it, made it work. I know we were talking about doing another one and it kind of all worked out. Unfortunately, what's going yeah. on with them. We're not going to, you know, talk about that publicly, but yeah, yeah, sending yeah. a prayer out to those guys anyways. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, a minute ago, we were talking about, we're talking about the manosphere. Let's start there. Let's 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 start there. I mean, I th- I think I would like to start there because we kind of both come from that world in our different in our different ways. Like, you know, I started in the mythopoetic men's movement. For those who listen to my podcast with Glenn Barker, that was the beginning of my journey. Then I discovered the manosphere. I actually found in a, an online journal, like a, a journal I had on my phone, the very day, and I think it was in July of 2018 when I discovered the manosphere through Rich Cooper, one of his talks mm. called "Be Better." actually made a note of it in my journal, like today feels significant. And so, you know, coming from both those worlds was sort of my path into Christ. And I know that you had your own journey through that world. Yeah. So I discovered this kind of on, on, on my way down from being 300 plus pounds. And it was, when it was, 
Yeah, when I was uh, the Kool-Aid man, when I was a circle, a living circle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and so this was like 2014. So I've, I've been aware of this stuff for a long time. And this was when the red pill was still an active subreddit on Reddit. It's been since taken down. Like, I think oh. it's been a number of years. And that's where it all started. And I thought, you know, and I've said this a lot on on, on previous podcasts, but I found like, I, I felt like the guy, because I was kind of plugged in, blue pill kind of guy, raised by a single mom, had this kind of Disneyland version of love and relationship dynamics. When I discovered the red pill, I was like, man, I feel like I've been walking through the desert thirsty. And I finally, obviously mm -hmm. it was, it was deception for the most part, but I found this, this, this thing that bestowed all this knowledge about women and, and uh, sexual dynamics upon me. And then, you know, you couple that with, okay, so crippling insecurity, fatherlessness. So no real, you know, I masculine identity. I, yeah. I called myself a Christian, but it was like most self-proclaimed Christians walking in a very lukewarm, I'm going to pick from the Bible and choose. And that's, that's just, that's the majority of Christians, unfortunately. And then you take that with Catholic. this like fat guy <clears throat> insecurity. I lose all this weight. I become the quote unquote, you know, ripped guy. I start a successful business Chad. and I go on an absolute tear, you know, I, you know, I don't mean to use that word to be vulgar, but, no, and I, mean, I found myself at the other end of uh, a bottle, uh, drugs, uh, prescription drugs, therapy. It was just destruction. Cause I thought, Hey, okay, I'm making this money. I'm in good shape. I'm, I'm doing all the things that these guys are saying I should be doing. I'm sleeping with all of these women. Why do, why, why am I so hollow? Where is this crippling, uh, dissatisfaction and depression coming from? And so it wasn't until, you know, I met my wife and, and that's, a, you know, I know I went in that in the first one, but I almost completely screwed it up because I was still in that mindset. Like, oh, I'm not going to mm -hmm. get one itis. One itis refers to, you know, being in love with one woman and one woman only. I mean, if you really just yeah. kind of peel back the layers there. And so, but really at the, at the heart of it, what I, what I felt like I learned from it was I'm not worthy of an actual functioning, thriving, ordered relationship. And so when I met a woman where, you know, these games, I didn't have to play these games on her. You know, I felt like, man, okay, this is not what I'm used to. I'm not, I'm, I'm not worthy of this. Almost screwed it up. But by the grace of God, we ended up back together, you know, start off as just brothers and sisters in the faith, learning about Christ together. And through her conviction in that, here I am, we got two kids. Um, I'm walking the path with Christ and life has changed since then. But yeah, it's been a long journey with the manosphere, a long toxic journey. I, mm. I wouldn't say I regret it because it's gotten me here, but uh, yeah. Definitely a little bit of a different path than the, the, the path that you went on with the Madison because you discovered it, you said in 2018, correct? Yeah, because I had, um, by the way, congratulations on your second kid, just what, two, three months old, something like that? Yeah, she's about to turn, well, November 1st will be two months old. It's crazy. So Amazing, fast. bro. Congratulations. Thank you, man. Really appreciate that. So I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully not too far behind you. Well, <laughs> a little bit behind you. So uh, I, um, I started exploring masculinity in, in 2001 with a, with a course on, uh, on Carl Jung in college. And that was when I first started thinking about it. And then that led me to the, the mankind project and then ultimately to the manosphere. So it was like this kind of 20 year kind of process of exploring at different paces and tempos and intensities, what it meant to be a man for myself. And so for me, the manosphere came along after this long exploration of like men's inner work stuff. So the inner stuff I'd, so I'd been through that whole world, but I had found that like, there was one, there, there was a bad word in that world. And the bad word is women. Like you're not mm -hmm. actually allowed to say that word. Like it's like, you know, and, and so, and, and there was never any talk about 
fitness or finance or any of these outer stuff. And so I come along and it felt, it felt very limiting. And I actually like got very frustrated with that world because it almost felt it never touched ground. Like we can be really strong men on this weekend and go back out and conquer our lives, so to speak. But what does that actually look like? And no one would talk about that. And so it was a big blind spot. And then when I discovered the manosphere, it's like, oh, wow, these guys are talking about all the outer stuff, but they don't talk about any of the inner stuff. <laughs> What's happening here? And it was putting those two things together that, that helped me come up with the idea of the renaissance of men being a process because I realized the conversation was so much larger than even I had realized. And the fundamental, I think, turning point for you with the renaissance of men has been Christ. Needless to say, oh, we were yeah. just touching upon that before we started recording, right? Where like you had compiled all of these interviews, you had done this, but this was kind of more, this was before Christ had fully saved you. Or were you kind of, were you already tipping your, dipping your toe into the water of a belief in Jesus? What, what was going on at that specific time? I, I got baptized in September of 2020 before I formally started the Renaissance of Men. Like I was working on the logo, um, but I hadn't put my first podcast out. That came out about a month or so later. Mm. So the, so it's funny, some, uh, there are a couple followers of mine on Instagram that have gone back and they've been listening to my podcast from the start and there's like 150 episodes now. And so, uh, so people have told me that they can hear the shift in the content that's taken shape, like starting from like red pill manosphere kind of dudes to getting more and more overtly Christian. And it was cool to hear that because that's been, that's been mirrored in my own personal journey. So was Christ a big part of the start of it? No. Was he there? Yes. Did I recognize it? No. Um, but certainly the presence of Christ in my life and in my work has made everything so much easier because <laughs> now it's rooted in something deeper than evolution you know, or, or anything deeper in power, which, which I, was a thing that I had with the manosphere. It's like, ultimately, it just comes down to men's power over women as a response to feminism. So- where do you see the manosphere as it exists right now? It's way different mm -hmm. than, than it was a couple of years ago. Um, what are some remarks you can make about the state of the manosphere right now as it exists? I, I think we might've talked about some of this, the first conversation, but one of the real limitations of the manosphere is that, um, or maybe it was on the podcast with you and me and David Hammond and, mm -hmm. uh, and Jonathan West, the live stream we did. But one of the limitations of the manosphere is that all these guys, they're not real guys, they're characters or their yeah. caricatures, right? So you have, you know, you have a guy like Jack Donovan, the barbarian warrior, or you have a guy like Rolo Tomasi, you know, the, the rock star, or you have um, Zan Perion, which is like the lover playboy, like all these guys embodying different like masculine archetypes, right? And none of those, none of those are their real names, or maybe Zan Perion's his real name, but I don't think so. And so they're all embodying characters that different men are gravitationally attracted to like Indiana Jones or like Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's like that, but with like, but quote unquote, real guys. But the thing is, you can't keep that character up forever because you get older and you're not young and awesome anymore. So what are you going to do when you're 60 years old? You're going to be the 60 year old barbarian warrior? Like, come on. And so they, the, the clock is ticking on all of them. And, and I think they know it. That's, that's just for a start. So wait a second, you're telling me that Rolo Tomasi is the, the rock star archetype? He tries. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I see that guy. And I'm like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to think. You know, to his credit, though, um, the Reno, the Reno Axel Rose is what. Yeah, there, there you go. That's the great way to put it. To, 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 to his credit, though, the rational male does contain some good stuff. But I say that right. 
right when we were on the iron disciples podcast we're like listen it's not all bad i don't there are very few things that are all bad mm-hmm. the problem is the worldview in which you view it through right yeah so if you're viewing it through a christian worldview you're able to sort of okay i can take this i can leave that out you have that real discernment but with a secular worldview it it just because you're just drinking from the entire well of the red pill and the manosphere and it inevitably leads to self-destruction it's self-aggrandizing it's it's self-indulgent there's no temperance or restraint or any any semblance of any real virtue but there's some real um tactical pieces i guess you could say or or things you could you could understand especially man like let's let's talk about this for a second within christian circles like there's an absence and i blame this on the teachings of the church and many leaders of the church there's an absence of teaching what actual biblical masculinity is how do yeah. you court a woman? How do you speak to a woman? How are you supposed to lead in your marriage? What does that look like? Because there's this caricature, this idea of what Jesus, who Jesus is, is that this like cucked, hippie, liberal, come as you are. And you're like, man, have you just not read the Bible? And and No, they haven't. Yeah, they clearly haven't. And so it's like, okay, well, here we are. Not that we're, you know, theologians like Vody Bauckham or you know, Jeff Durbin, whatever, but we're trying to fill in the gaps. So here I am on Instagram. Here you are on Instagram. Okay. Okay. So this is what I get from the Bible. This is what I think biblical virtue and courtship looks like because there's an absolute failure and lack of teaching there. So inevitably you get these guys gravitating towards the, the, the red pill and the manosphere. And they're like, okay, finally some actionable stuff. I can actually now wrap my head around this, right? Mm-hmm. What would you say? Do you think, do you, would, would you agree in, in saying that it is on the church for failing these young men and women on how to actually coexist in a relationship meaningfully? Yes. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I'll, I'll go a step beyond that. Year of hurt feelings, redux, let's go. I'll, <laughs> I'll go a step beyond that and say the, the real truth that I'm encountering is that so many, and by so many, I mean perhaps all, as in like almost 100%. So it's not like a slander. It's just an observation at that point are captured by feminism, mm. whether they know it or not. And so, and so when you have this generation of men that grew up fatherless or underfathered or whatever, and have finally discovered what it means to be men and found it rooted in the Bible, and they show up in church, strong backs, confident, you know, upright, and not taking guff, right? You discover that there's immediate force feedback in many church environments. Why? Because feminism has its claws deep in the social and administrative architecture of these churches. And, and what I observe in many different church environments is feminism's claws are like, they're just like right there. You can't, you can't see what I'm doing for those who are listening, but I got like my fingers against my neck. And it's like, if the, if, if the pastors or the elders move the wrong way, suddenly the claw squeezes just a little bit like, you know, we've got you. And so, and I think that this is just, it's true in America and so it's true in the church, and it's very uncomfortable because it's a degree of faithlessness I think a lot of people aren't ready to deal with because it will cause churches to explode. And mm. I don't see a way around that. And I, I got in a little t- trouble on Twitter for saying it last week. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's not to mention that also that Eric Conreal that went absolutely like nuclear <laughs> viral, right? I mean, it so speaks crazy. directly to that. It went crazy. And it, it's so true. Um and I notice this even with my own Instagram content. It's like you call out something that a man is doing, you'll get cheers, right? Yeah. You call out something that a woman is doing, and it's like, well, if he just this or if he just that, you're like, oh, so there's you're a child, is what you're telling me. There's no accountability on your part. Uh, 
Yes. There's no repentance on your part. So if he just shows up and he's just, he's masculine, he has his, 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 his life together, he's got it all together, and he's this perfect caricature second to Jesus, I can just relax in my feminine and be the woman that God meant me to be. And that's like, no, because being a feminine woman and being submissive are two different things. Yeah. And when you bring those things together, that requires accountability and it requires repentance. But there is a lack, a fundamental lack of calling out women on their sin. Yes. Come on, guys. And I've seen yeah. so many guys that come through, you know, my coaching program that are like, oh, you know, they're telling me about their, their marital dynamics. And it's like, well, you know, I got to just love her like Christ loved the church. It's like, yes, but that doesn't mean you get trampled over, dude. Right. That doesn't yes. mean you just let her just stomp all over you, use you like a doormat. And you're just like, please, I just, I just want to love on you. That means no stern leadership. That doesn't mean you're a tyrant, but there's such a thing as righteous anger. There's such a thing as saying no, there's such a thing as having boundaries and leading your home. Cause listen, we all are as humans are hardwired for rebellion, but I would say men, specifically women, they, 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 they tip the scale a little bit compared to us. That's the curse. That's literally the biblical curse is hard, wild, fired for rebellion against, against their husbands. There was the original rebellion against Adam, the original rebellion against God. And then the curse just makes it something that they have to nail to the cross. And no pastors will say that. I would love, I would love for there to be an American pastor. And for all I know, there might be to get up there and deliver a full hour long sermon directed, directed exclusively to women with no what abouting men. It's like, women, this is the biblical curse. The biblical curse is that your desire will be to usurp the authority of your husband, will be to master your husband. That will be your ongoing, like, I just want to just take the wheel. It's like, no, that is, that's God's curse that you have to live with that and nail that to the cross. And submission means that's the only way that you can possibly be happy is to crucify, to mortify that aspect of your flesh. I would love to find an, Amer an American pastor who would say that, right? And, and, but I don't think that they can. I don't think they will, be, you know, for all the reasons that I outlined. I think so that they're perfectly capable of Sorry to interrupt you, but why do you think there's such a That's lack okay. of that in the church? Because there are lots of, there are lots of churches. Feminism is, is, the, um, is probably, I have to think this through, one of, the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest American sin right? That, that, that we've just kind of all swallowed it. When I say all, I mean pretty much everybody in various ways we've had to deprogram it. And so why? Because to actually push back on it means that you're going to pay an enormous cost. It means, it means your church might split. It means your wife might leave you. It means that you might get, like, I think that there's, I think a lot of these pastors who, um, who end up supporting a lot of LGBT woke kind of things, my personal belief is that a lot of them got caught, um, they got caught by their wives with porn or something like that. And like they're being manipulated through that. Like, well, you know, if we just let this person in and their churches are compromised, right? So, so I, I think to actually speak up, men recognize that if you plant your feet and say, no, I'm standing on scripture, they could stand to lose quite a lot. And if their church is working and they're holding their community together, why rock, why rock the boat? Except... If you really want to go to war for American culture and for Christ and for something like Christian nationalism or dominion, you gotta. And I think a lot of guys just, they're not able to get there. And this is not just inside the church, to be clear. I think it's many men's marriages. I think it's our society in general, just unable and unwilling to say no to women. All right. Well, pay the cost on that. And 
it's like these men have like abdicated their responsibility as men to hold down yeah. the fort within their own homes. And then that, that sort of yeah. permeates into the culture as a whole. I'm, I'm trying to pin down why, mm-hmm. why, why do you think so many men, especially within the Christian circles are so spineless? That, because that they don't have, have honor. Got, yeah. he, he, my, my personal, so I, I spoke at a church conference a couple weeks ago and it was about honor. And I've spoken about this before at other conferences. So shame um, is, is a very powerful, guilt and shame are two, shame being the most powerful, are the most powerful ways to control a person without touching them. Like you can coerce someone at a distance with shame. Shame is pain. The actual literal definition of shame, if you look it up, is pain, a painful feeling. So when you shame somebody, you can cause them physical pain in their bodies without touching them, Right. And so we don't consider that violence. We consider violence if I physically touch your body, that's some form of violence. But if I cause you pain through shame, that's not me, that's you. So it's allowed. So women coerce with shame. They have been given given weapons free in our culture to use shame to coerce other people, right? And so the thing is, the only way to push back against shame is is with honor. If you're a man that does not have honor, which is doing the right thing even when you don't feel like it, if you're not that guy, you can be controlled with shame. So you have to develop honor. And the way that we develop honor is with fathers, and we don't have any fathers. The fatherless men without honor being controlled by women who are weapons-free to use shame. That's why we are where we are. I mean, it's like the spirit of rebellion within women. It's the spirit of passivity within men. It's, it's, it's Adam yeah. in all of us, right? Yes. It's yes. like, this is hard to do because being honorable and upholding a standard in your home requires being active. Now listen, yes. I got two young girls now, praise God. Mm. Uh, and, and my wife, and it's not, and she is, she's obedient and she's submissive and all of those things. But of course- She loves you like crazy, man. No, she t- she totally does. I mean, I'm incredibly blessed. And, and but we both have our tendencies, just like human beings do, to, to, to buck up against God's authority. And how that presents mm. itself within a marriage is a bit of chaos at times. Now, praise God, you know, I thank him every day for just my marital dynamics because the more guys I coach and the more I realize how much, you know, marriage as a whole is in such disarray. I mean, for a multitude mm-hmm. of reasons, but certainly what I've understood is that if I'm abdicating any portion of my responsibility as a father, being the priest of the home, praying over the home, leading the home and leadership is it's easy to lead when you feel like leading. But when you're mm-hmm. trying to guide a conflict through chaos, when a woman inevitably kind of goes nuts in her emotions as, as, as they do at times, you've got to guide them to a logical con- con- conclusion. And sometimes that requires putting your foot down and saying no. And, but when you, when you stop doing that, it's like the death of a thousand cuts. Like there, your marriage just dies from within. And then from that, what you see is, you know, uh, this cancer of passivity has metastasized within your intimate life. And now you guys aren't having sex anymore. And now you have this, 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 this dynamic where she's dragging you to church and you're just like, you just, you're waiting for that one hour of peace in the evening. It's the Homer Simpson effect. Mm. And it's, and it's, well, how do we change that now? I guess we're trying to do that with our individual social media pages and followings and podcasts, but let's start with like, when you say, how do we change that now? What's let's pick a, let's pick a doorway in what's the What's the thing to be changed? I think guys just, men need to understand their roles as leaders within the home. Yeah. Require, mm-hmm. it's, it's more than just provision in terms of financial provision. And a sure. lot of guys just hang their hats there. That's where they stop. 
it's it's more than just physical protection. I could be the guy that brings home the money and I'm jacked and I know how to fight, but it extends much further beyond that. Like there's a lot of these hats that you have to wear as a married man. Like you have to understand that when you're in a conflict with your wife, let's say you have to understand the difference between holding space for her when, when you need to, and just being that calm, strong presence in her life when she's kind of going chaotic. And then mm-hmm. when to actually not hold space and actually just guide her to a logical conclusion, whether she likes, likes it or not. Mm-hmm. That's okay. masculine leadership and holding frame through yes. that and saying, no, this conversation's over. This is nonsensical. I'm not participating. This is what we're going to do. End of story. And a lot of women that's would awesome. say, well, that, that's, that's tyrant. It's absolutely not tyrannical. It's what a lot, lot of women need without understanding that they need it. Because almost every time that this has happened, let's say with my wife, it's like, you know what? You were so right. I'm so sorry. We're going to go exact. You, you nailed it. I'm like, thank you. Okay. But that's hard. That's hard mm-hmm. to do. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, Hey, listen, man, you got to put it on your big boy pants and you don't, even when you're sleeping, you can't take them off. And, mm-hmm. and now I, the, the onus is on me to show my daughters because it's like the failure of the example, because I could speak to them and I could say, this is how a man should treat you. But if I'm not treating their mother that way, if I'm not showing up as a leader oh, to yeah. our home in that way, dude, you can say all you want, man, this do as I say, not as I do crap. It doesn't fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It does not yes, fly. So it's like, take your leadership seriously, put on your big boy pants, sack up. And actually act like Jesus in your home, which that means channeling that energy of flipping the tables. And I think, and I said this on, on, on a tweet that went fairly, you know, it was, it did well for my small page was that we need a lot more men channeling the Jesus flipping the tables over in the temple energy right now, because mm-hmm. we have too much of the, the, I wouldn't say too much of the restraint or the temperance of Jesus. I think it's guys have it all fundamentally wrong. Hmm. Keep going. Say more about that. And I, I think they have it fundamentally wrong in the sense that they have, they perceive Jesus to be this like, dude, you made a post about this. This was tremendous. Turn the other mm-hmm. cheek. What does turn the other cheek actually mean? Oh yeah. I love this. So, so turn the other cheek. So the idea was that, um, and this is from N.T. Wright, who, who's a pretty famous theologian. I know some people take issue with some of the directions he's gone now, but this is an older thing because I, I found it online. So turn the other cheek originally meant that when you get that, that uh, when, a, when someone was slapped, you were backhanded, right? So, so you would get backhanded across the face. And so, um, and so then you, what you're supposed to do is like, if, if I were to backhand you right now, I'd be hitting your right, your right cheek, right? Mm-hmm. Bang, right? Mike's right cheek. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to turn your left cheek and like, all right, you mean it? Hit me again with your open hand and let's see what happens. <laughs> it's, almost like, it's almost like a dare. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you this one you know, first bites free, you know, maybe you're acting out in rage or whatever, right? You're, you're, you're uncalibrated. You, you have a, a moment of, a moment of weakness. It was like, okay, I'm going to, cons- I'm going to contain meekness. I'm going to be meek. I'm going to restrain my strength. And I'm going to say, if you really mean it, let's go. Right. And then, and then in the moment you give that person the chance to, to have them to reflect back and be like, oh, wow, that was really, that was really wrong. Right. But most people don't think of turn the other cheek that way. They interpret turn the other cheek to I'm a Christian, destroy me because that martyr me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Which is not what it's supposed to be. That's that's dumb. And it's like getting the word, the, the definition of the word meek completely wrong, yes. too. It's like you don't understand what this actually means. And I know there's that Jordan mm-hmm. Peterson clip that went viral. It's like meekness means, you know, uh, having a sword and knowing how to use it, but keeping it sheathed. It's yeah. like strength you- restrained strength restraint, temperance restraint, all of that beautiful stuff. Like Jesus, when he was being carried up to the cross, 
you know, that clip that with Nolan that went viral, he could have eviscerated all of his enemies and he chose not to. It's like, I think men just have a fundamental misunderstanding or that they're just overlooking the the reality of the difficulty of leadership, especially within their own yeah. homes, because the feminine energy, and I hate using those words, like those new agey terms, um, yeah. unrestrained is pure unbridled chaos. Yes. Yes. And it's, 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 and it's not physical in many cases, it's not physical violence, right? It's, it's emotional, spiritual, reputational violence. Like you, and Jordan Peterson has talked about this a little bit. The way that women fight is they fight with words. They're more, they're generally more verbal than men are. And so what they'll do is they'll, and the first thing that you'll experience is they will, they will begin manipulating social environments against you. So what women are really good at, at doing when they're in their when they're in their flesh is if they're upset at their husband they may not come at him directly but they may like especially if he starts stepping into his masculine Christian kind of strength is suddenly and I've seen this happen to my own clients suddenly people will start treating him differently because the wife will start spreading gossip and innuendo about him obviously these are these are women fully in their sin unrepentant and whatever but but this just to show the pattern. And so what they're doing is they're trying to coerce their husband's behavior through reputational destruction in the community to try and bash him back into line outside, outside the home. And that escalates from there. And then you have, I had Dr. David Edgington on my podcast, The Reviling Wife. His book, or that's the reviling, that's the biblical term. His book is The Abusive Wife is entirely about the way that women destroy their husbands verbally, make their lives a living, quote unquote, hell with their words. So that's the specific kind of chaos that our culture, especially in the West, is so hyper fixated on physical violence, it can't acknowledge the existence of, of moral, emotional, and spiritual violence, which you can destroy someone just as powerfully. And men are powerless against it. Like, what do you do for a woman who's reviling you? What do you do? Like, you can't strike out in physical violence. Like, that's illegal. You'll go to jail. If you even grab her hand the wrong way and put a bruise on her wrist, and she, this is true, in Cal, particularly in places like California, if your wife, if your wife goes, is like shoving you and pushing you around and you grab her wrist, and God forbid you leave a mark on her wrist when you grab her wrist, and she calls the police, and the police show up and they see the mark on, on her wrist, they are obligated. They have no leeway. They have to arrest you and put you in jail overnight. So you're powerless to a woman who that's that's in California. It's you know obviously super liberal, but that's not uncommon. And so men are defenseless, absolutely defenseless against women's violence. And the only way, the only way that I've found in today's hyper, and let's not even talk about the divorce industry. The divorce industry is like is that writ large where she can bring the entire institutional legal apparatus to bear to crush her husband. They call it divorce rape for a reason. That's how powerful women's institutional control over things are. But even that aside, the only way that I've found for men to be able to stand up in their homes is by being men of honor. And the only way you can truly be a man of honor is be so sold out to Christ, so totally repentant that you derive your value from him and him alone so that her reviling bounces off you. And your house is so full of God's light and so full of peace, the peace that surpasses, surpasses, surpasseth understanding, that it so fills up the house that she runs. But that's a big ask that pastors are not capable of leading men through. 
And so here we I are. I love what you say about shame, man. You said, I think in a, another post of yours that they use shame as it's the gas and brake pedals on, on, on uh, masculinity, how they want to sort yeah, of like man meter. up toxic. Yeah. Man up is like, if you're not being masculine enough, toxic masculinity is if you're too masculine, like man, not man, wait too much toxic masculinity. Right. Yeah. And then be just masculine enough for this situation. Which essentially just means be a man on my terms and how I define you as a man, which just leads to killing your desire, killing your own manhood and just destroying the dynamics within your home. That's an interesting point about it being a man of honor. Okay. So conceptually, I understand what you're saying. It is a sure. funny thing. And it reminds me of a podcast me and Brandon just recorded uh, a couple of weeks ago, masculine and feminine dynamics. And so we understand a lot of these things like on a conceptual intellectual basis, but now trying to actually like explain it, you're like, okay, what? feminine energy like how do you actually dis describe that so in terms of i know we're just pontificating here about this that's fine how what does do? a man how does a man yeah how does a man show up with that kind of honor to a wife that reviles him because some would say is it too late i would say no because i always think grace can intercede and change things if if she's willing to but how does a man actually step into that honor and show and show her that example this is this is something that I that I enjoy leading men through and and in my mentorship especially I, I call it I think Brandon's talked about it no I talked about it on a podcast with Brandon when he was doing his medium Patreon something like that um, about the three reconciliations that a man needs a reconciliation with his brothers a reconciliation with his father which doesn't necessarily mean being friendly with your father it just means like forgiving him and repenting of your judgments like fifth commandment style and then a reconciliation with God. A table needs three legs to stand on. So if you reconcile with your brothers, meaning that you, you have male friends, and, and a friend doesn't have to be a brother. Like a, a brother doesn't have to be a friend. A friend doesn't have to be a brother. A brother is someone who holds you accountable. Like there are lots of friends who aren't brothers, and my brother doesn't have to be my friend, but my brothers are the ones who hold me accountable. So reconciliation with your brothers. A lot of men don't have uh, social circles to hold them accountable. You need a reconciliation with your father, which is to recognize whoever he was, you've forgiven him. And even if he's passed away as well, like you've forgiven him and you've repented for your judgments of him. There's a book called Transforming the Inner Man that I'll have linked in the show notes that I recommend to everybody about that. It's one of the required books for my men's group. And then so reconciliation with the Father and then a reconciliation with God. Like you really, you really are sold out to Christ, baptized, sanctific sanctification, daily scripture, prayer reading, you know, uh, daily scripture reading and prayer, going to church, stuff like that. If you have those three things in your life, you are almost unstoppable as a man. Because what it does is it gives you the strength to be able to apologize for the ways that you've done wrong by your wife. Now, the thing with apology is that you don't actually have to be forgiven. If you find exactly what you did wrong, like, it, like it, it, what your conscience convicts you of doing wrong, and you say, I'm sorry that I did this, all you are responsible for is the apology. The forgiveness has to come from the other side. Once you've issued the apology, you're free. And so if you can find the strength from your three reconciliations to apologize for the things that you've done wrong to your wife, right? Then you put the ball in her court. You've issued the apology and you go about your life as a redeemed man and you let her decide what to do with that. That's a great way to put it because there's no way to forcefully make your wife change. Of course. No. You've got to right. be the living, breathing example of what... Mm -hmm. um, apologizing and repenting looks like yes and then yes. the light of christ the holy spirit you know if that's his will for your marriage 
will transfer into her and transform the marriage inside out from a spiritual place first, where it needs to happen first and foremost. Yes. Because it's easy for us as humans to hold on to all kinds of crap. Like, you know, I've done a lot of stuff to my wife in the past, man. I, I wasn't the best dude at the beginning. Like, and it's still something I'm heavy hearted for to these days, to, mm. to this day. Um, but to that point, it wasn't just an apology. It was like a heart change, man. It was like a, a behavioral change. In, and in it's you funny, or her or both? So I, for, for both, but I did a lot of bad stuff within the marriage and oh, sure. her response to it was, was, was just, you know, I was, a a, a, a rambling, uh, aggressive, borderline abusive drunk. Mm. I'll just say it. I'll say it. And this was early days in our marriage. Um, I can't even picture I, that guy, by the way, that's a real testament to how much work you've done. Oh, dude, I, I appreciate that, man. That means, that means a lot to me. And, and, and I, I, not that I hesitate in saying that. Because I don't really care what people think of me. I'm just here with like, listen, Christ has worked through my life. Uh, the fruit, the fruit, you can look, you, the, the fruits of my life are evident. You can see it, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I say this as a real living example and testimony that like, I have a very imperfect past. And I've mm -hmm. seen this, this, this repentance piece, this forgiveness piece work out and play out in my own marriage. Because with some of the stuff that I did, it would be grounds for my wife to say, I'm done. I don't want to do this with you anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But through me apologizing and through not just words, but with action and repenting and coming to Christ in a way that, that she's never seen before and seeing that heart change and behavioral change changed her. Yeah. It's interesting, but she was already open to that. Her heart was, was there. She did not want to feel these feelings of resentment toward me, but in my walking and saying, okay, Christ, you know, <laughs> take the wheel. I want to walk with you. You have to understand like the narrow path is more narrow than we think it is. Right. It's yeah. like, you're walking a tightrope with Jesus here, man. Mm -hmm. And it's just chaos yeah, and destruction all around. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing. You put that so well, better than I could put it, but I've seen that happen in my own home. And that is the piece of honor and, and leadership that I think so many men are, are failing in regard to and Listen, I'm not saying I'm a perfect leader now. Um, and I, you put it in a way that I've been trying to say on Instagram with some of my content and mm. A lot of it gets misconstrued as, as long as the man shows up as a masculine man, she'll change. It's like, no, you got to be repentant. No. You got to be a man after God's heart. And if you're doing that truthfully with all of you and it's genuine and sincere, then if she's open to it, of course, the Holy Spirit can change her and soften her heart as well. Mm -hmm. or, or she exits. Or she, right. or she exits if that's his will for your marriage. That's right. That's right. And in which case, like you have no control over that. All you can control is your own heart and how you're walking with Jesus and what he does to your life. And I can tell you, uh, it's been, I think a week or sorry, not a week, a year this week that I've been baptized. I and saw that you posted that. Congratulations, brother. Thank you very much. And it's been the hardest year of my entire life. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm, dude, God has broken me down to pieces. You look good. <laughs> I love you, bro. You're the best. You're the best. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. But I'll tell you the truth. After that last podcast that we did, like I was in a year a, ago, it was, I think it was in like, yeah, it was like February or something, March. Okay. I was in a horrific place mentally. That's what you said. Horrific, horrific mm. dude. After that podcast, like dude, the anxiety and the, like, I guess you could call it spiritual warfare that I think I was truly going through. I remember drinking that night. I got off that podcast with you and I was oh. like, I, I couldn't handle myself, dude. I was in the worst place ever. And praise mm -hmm. God, now I'm alcohol free. Like that's just a further testament to his, his grace and changing my heart. But the last year has been incredibly hard. 
because in order for him to make me who I am truly meant to be in him, he had to break me down. And man, there were some like pretty potent layers of pride and self-indulgence and self, you know, I, it's hard to even really put it into words, but it's like the identity I thought that I had before is no longer. And I still don't have a clear understanding of like what God wants me to be or who he wants me to be. All I know is my identity is him. Mm. That's good enough for me for now. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. I know this feeling, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. And, and you know, some people have experienced such peace since getting baptized and there have been moments of peace and breakthrough. I'm not going to say that there haven't been. Sure. But I think a lot of people can, can certainly relate when they say that they go through a serious valley, especially when you lived the way that I lived through my 20s. And I was given so much that I didn't deserve success in my twenties, all of this stuff. And I, I consistently slapped God in the face the whole time. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. he's, he's like, I gave you all that, but now I'm going to take everything away. And you're going to have to understand that and shout out to Sharon for, I, she shared this quote on that baptism post where either you try, you obey God's law or you break yourself against it. Amen. And I tried to break myself against it many times. Like even with the alcohol piece was like, okay, um, I'm getting rid of all the other things, lust, I'm putting all that, all this stuff to death, but this alcohol, I'm, I'm just going to have a few on the weekend and that's going to be my little piece of sin that I'm going to keep to myself. And that's going to be okay. And I remember having a really profound conversation with a friend of mine in the faith. And I said, well, God doesn't clearly define what drunkenness is in the Bible. So what, 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 what is like, it's not like clear, clear enough, at least for me through going through that, like sort of that looking at through a, an alcoholic lens. And he's like, well, if you have to ask, mm. you just, you shouldn't be doing it. And I was like, bingo, that's conviction enough for me, my man. But anyways, I say all this to say that I'm a living, breathing testimony of what your own repentance as a man and stepping into that honor and that walk with Christ can do to your marriage as a result. Mm. But it ain't easy. That's beautiful. No, but, but you don't, you also, you don't do it. Thank you, by the way. Um, I, I I can hear and feel that in a lot of in a lot of what you're a lot of what you're saying, and I remember you posted your your baptism photo. Uh, it must have been last week or earlier this week, something like that. Really beautiful to see. I didn't know that it had been that that recently for you. But the thing is, is like you don't repent to necessarily first and foremost to save your marriage. Although I suppose all things being equal, that there are worse reasons to do it. Yep. It's like you pursue Christ first and foremost for the for the joy of it. Right. And, and then all these things will be added on to you. Right. Like, but if you have to repent to save your marriage, repent, <laughs> you know, oh, that's a great same, point though. Will. that's a great yeah. point because I wasn't repenting to, to save my marriage. I was, I was repenting because there's this crater of destruction around me. That's all mm. by my own hand. And I'm like, God, okay. I obviously cannot do this on my own strength and my own power and the authority that I think I've given myself. Mm-hmm. So yes. I'm tired of walking in darkness, like shine your light upon me and reveal to me the places that I need to change and I need to repent. And my goodness was the, were there a lot of places where I had to look, there were a Careful lot of blind spots. For. Yeah. There's a lot of idolatry that needs to be break, broken down. Lust addiction needs to be broken down. Pride that needs to be bro broken down. And mm -hmm. that's a scary place to look. And so that's yeah. a great point. It's like, okay, all things being equal. Yes. There are worse things to, rep to repent about if it's, you know, if it's your marriage. 
But I repented to like, I needed to save myself because I knew in saving myself and pursuing God that everything downstream from that was going to get saved as a result, just because of the people, my family being in proximity to me and seeing that heart change. Mm -hmm. Yes, I get that for sure. Like I've often said that there are two reasons why a man or anybody will change. One is because they are intrinsically motivated to grow and develop. That's just part of who they are. And the other is because they reach rock bottom. And it's like 80% of people will change because they've reached some form of rock bottom. And there's maybe 20% of people that grow and change because that's how they're intrinsically motivated to meet, to be. And so I've always been the guy that's in, that's been intrinsically motivated to grow and change. Like that's always just been me. Like, where's the next truth? I don't have any attachment to being right. Where's the next truth? Mm -hmm. But for me, that brought me forward into repentance. And it kind of like the curtain pulled back over the, over the span of my life. And I looked at like 40 years of stuff that I did. I'm like, oh God. And it was like horrifying. It was like not, not evil in any kind of like, you know, world globalist controller kind of way, but just like recognizing the way, like suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. And like when, when I realized all that, and as I continue to, the way that it opens up to God's grace and God's glory is like so humbling as to like, as to drive me down to my knees every day. Like, I, like in a very short amount of time, like I've become the guy praying over meals, praying, like I never, ever thought I'd be that kind of Christian. Like, hold on, let's just pray and let's just pause over this. Let's just say a quick prayer over this meal, over this podcast, or getting really hungry for the word because I recognize just how redeemed I am. And it's a really scary, it's a really scary thing for me to discover later in the way that you were forced to confront it, like right away, like you're seeing my wickedness is in your, it's in your face and you have to turn from it. I had to turn around and look at it and be like, oh, God is so great. <laughs> right? Yeah. But both are equally valid paths to the same truth. No, 100%. And there's a, there's a pain in letting that old identity go because you spend X amount of time pouring yourself into a particular thing that does not serve God. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Like, now that all has to change. And what I found really amazing about baptism, amazing and horrifying at the same time, is that when I got, came out of that water, and I've said this before, I was confronted with the reality of my own sin and I judged other people less harshly than I did prior. Yes. I saw it through like, oh my goodness, like I don't deserve any of the mercy of the grace that I've been given. And how is he more abounding in mercy and grace than we are in sin? That's insane to me. I still can't wrap that, wrap my head around that because we are, we are nothing but that. And um, I, I was just confronted with this reality that I've been living worse than I thought. And, and not just that, when you now have the revelation of Christ in your life, if you continue to indulge in sin, the sin drags you further and further and further into the pit. And it's like a rapid spiral. Yeah. Much oh, quicker yeah. than before. Because I drank through my 20s here and there. And, but then I, I got baptized. I wanted to hold on to this thing. But it got worse and worse. And, and the conviction got worse. And some of the arguments got worse. And all of a sudden, I was like, okay. God, you're trying to tell me something. You're trying to tell me something loud and clear here that I am pursuing everything except for you. And then you have to bre break down this, like, I own a gym. I'm this guy. I, I, no, you're, you're nothing. You're nothing. I'm going to break you down to nothing. And if you're going to buck up against my leadership, bro, it's just going to be harder for you in the end, man. Mm -hmm. So what do you want? Choose. And this is, this is a point about addiction that I think might be a little bit controversial to some, and I'm not obviously saying to somebody that's a severe alcoholic to the point where they'll have seizures if they don't drink or people that are on prescription drugs. Part of the marketing of addiction is that it's super hard to quit. 
the marketing is that it's hard to quit. Yeah. Whether yeah, it's sure. cigarettes, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's whatever, it's like it's bashed into your head that it's hard to quit when and stuff like porn, which I don't even think is a real addiction. It's like it's a choice. The choice mm-hmm. is hard, mm-hmm. but it's a choice. And so you could rationalize it in any which way, like I have with so many other things, until I woke up and I realized I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm continuing to make a conscious choice to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I woke up and I said, okay, no more. And there's like this peace that came upon me. Yeah, there's no, there's no more alcohol. I don't want to experience this anymore mm-hmm. for God. And I, I, I still even think with that said, a lot of us don't fear God enough. Oh yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, I can go, I could dig into that. Yeah, a thousand percent. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that because a lot of times we quit for, okay, we need to quit for God. It's like, no, do you understand the implications if you do not? Mm-hmm. Oh, so, well, they don't, they don't actually fully understand the implications because, because we live in a very, uh, my sense is that the evangelical church has been so focused on relationship. It hasn't focused on law, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I have a relationship with Christ. Okay. Yes. By all means do. However, there's still this law, sin and repentance, Right. The, an actual good doctrine of original sin and what it looks like in our lives. People don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear, like, it's uncomfortable, right? So, and, 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 uh, you know, from my Eastern Orthodox brothers listening, that's one of the big problems that I have with Eastern Orthodoxy is it doesn't have a good doctrine of sin and repentance. It just doesn't. It's not what they focus on. But, you know, and, and to, to the, on the reform side, they focus very heavily on sin and repentance, maybe too much in some ways, but it's still good for bringing men down to their knees and recognizing, like, I have to change my ways and allow myself to be sanctified by actually giving up these private sins to God and living in the ambiguity of like, I'm so used to building my identity around this thing, whether it's drugs, sex, alcohol, food, name all the idols, right? Fame, money, pick it. Like you, you give that, like the rich young ruler, you give that up to Christ and then you're left like, I don't have anything. This is really scary. And you have to learn to lean into God. Be like, he's got you but my dad didn't have me. It's like, well, mm. your God, your dad has you, but I didn't have a dad. Like, well, you have God like, ah, <laughs> and I think Dude, that's it for a lot of men. That point that you made on, I think it was Brendan Substack about the three that's legs the on the chair. Yeah. Um, huge. She, Cause a lot of guys carry around these and I hate saying father wound. That's, that's preventing them from getting to that sort of that next step with God. Because if Women you have too, like yes. this, I mean, it, it's, it's the big, the biggest block I would say. That was it for yeah. me. And there was a, a point in my life last December where my father sent me like a barrage of really horrific uh, text messages because he saw my newfound identity in, in, in Christ. Oh. But I knew I had finally reached the stage that I humanized him. So all men go through three stages with their father. It's idolization. Uh, so idolize, demonize, humanize. Mm. I idolized him mm. as a kid. I demonized him from the majority of my life. And what's funny about that is that the more you hate your father, the more that you demonize him, the more you become like him. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, dude, I was that guy. He was the womanizer, cheating and unfaithful, substance abusing. And then I I was doing the same thing in this act of like rebellion. I hate you, dad, but I didn't realize I was doing the same damn thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. I finally got to this point of, I humanized my father when he sent me those messages. I put my phone down. I remember going to the the, the, the washroom in, in the gym and just weeping for him. Mm-hmm. It was like, my, my thought was like, I do not want you to go to hell. I, w- yeah. I pray for your salvation because you don't even know what you're saying. 
Mm-hmm. And something, a light bulb, and and it just it made the tears even flood even further. I soaked my friggin' shirt. I didn't even know how I could train after. Was that mm-hmm. God? You you, this is a sign of heart change. Like God, you we always pray for these breakthroughs, and they come in some very unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a very unexpected way. I finally got to this point where I humanized my father, and and when I see him, when I look on his social media, and I see the brokenness, I I feel I see this child that was not taken care of. And that was a product of many, you know, it doesn't excuse him for his behavior, but this, this mercy I have upon him versus resentment. Mm-hmm. And like so many guys don't understand. And I talk about this so much. It probably sounds like a broken record. It's like, as, as a, as a man that has a family or a man that aspires to have a family, you have the opportunity to change your lineage forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be the new link in an old chain of trauma, cycle and abuse? And there's something, a revelation I had the other day too. Every man wants a boy for his last name. I finally came to terms with, you know, my last name last year when I got baptized, I'm like, Pantile, like, cool. Boom. That's part of the reason why I named my Instagram page, my name. So I could just, that's my name. I'm good with it. Praise God. I've had two girls and I've just already conceded that I'm going to have probably like six girls. But if, and, and it's so crazy and this might not seem like that impactful to anybody out there, but I had this realization that man, God, if he's only going to give me girls, my bloodline was meant to end with me being the final chapter in the Pantile legacy. Your and name, what a, but like my name, yeah, my name, yeah, yeah, yeah. my name, right. What a way yeah. to end that. Amen. Cause I've reached this stage of reconciliation with my father and my father's father. And maybe I'm getting too like meta and philosophical and big headed about it, but that meant a lot to me just coming to that realization. And I know I, I, I digress a little bit, but anyways, no getting to that next chapter with God, so many guys hold themselves back spiritually by hating him. Oh yeah, absolutely. Men, I have great news. My Renaissance Men's Mentorship Program is open once again. My mentorship page has been massively revamped and you can go to renofmen.com mentorship to see for yourself. I can tell you all about what's in the program and how it works, but you can go ahead and read that on your own. Instead, I'd like to tell you what you'll get from the program, which is set up to deliver one thing for you, that you end in a very different place than where you began. There is a set of problems in your life that all begin in the same place. You, the way you think, habits you've developed, and questions you've never asked. And if you're like most men, they're way too much to sort out on your own, which is why I'm there, to walk into those spaces with you. The mentorship includes my position, trajectory, momentum framework. I walk you through my concepts of the narrow passage, the three reconciliations, and the linkage between depression and anger. And there's much more, all within a Christian scriptural framework. But above and beyond all the conceptual stuff, you get me to walk with you. In other words, you won't do any of this alone. There are now three options for how we can do that, including an option for men with lower budgets, but no lack of commitment and heart because it's my job to get you up again, to lead you out of the web of problems, get facing in the right direction, and get you moving towards the man you want to be. And if you're curious what my mentorship can do for you, register for a free discovery call, and together, we'll find that out. Again, go to renofmen.com mentorship for more. My friend, you've been going it alone for too long. It's time for mentorship. What was I listening? I was listening to a sermon yesterday morning. Was it uh, R.C. Sproul, something like that, talking about how there's oh, it's it's uh, the psychology of atheism, 
It was mm-hmm. a, one, it was his lecture, the psychology of atheism, it'll be in the show notes. Um, and he was saying, there's nothing, there's nothing more. I don't remember the exact word he used confronting or frightening or upsetting about our individual will for ourselves than knowing that there is an omniscient, omnipresent God, right? Like whatever will you might have for yourself, whatever secret sin, whatever secret bitterness, resentment, thoughts, private fantasies, whatever it is that's living within you that you don't even act out, there's nothing more threatening to that than the knowledge that like, yeah, God sees that too, right? It's like, it's frightening. Like the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah, that's why. It's like, <laughs> there's, there's nothing that's private. There's nothing that's secret. That's nothing that's concealed, right? And, and for a lot of guys, it's really hard to be confronted in that space when they think they got away with it. I get it, man. I get it that you, that one thing you did that one time that you thought no one knows about, you took that cookie out of the cookie jar, metaphorically speaking, or maybe even really, you thought that no one caught you. God saw that. And you have to apologize to God for that, first of all, but there might be someone out there who, who doesn't know that you did that thing. There's, con- there's been consequences and you were able to cover it all up and you got to go dig up that body and you got to go back to that person and you got to apologize for that thing that they don't know that you did that might have wrecked their life. It's scary. It's really scary. Yeah, because most Christians live like modern day Pharisees. Yes. Right? That's they not just very think, Christian, Mike. No, oh, oh, we're not, we're not, we're not here to make friends. <laughs> Let's be honest. We got enough friends. Yeah. We're not here to make friends. No. Um, but but seriously, it's like it's this legalistic approach. I go to church, I do this thing, I tick off the boxes, and that's 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 where it stops. It's not actually yeah. being an actual living example. And 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 do you do people really think they know better than Solomon? Yes. They they really they really the fear the, the fear of God at the begin is the beginning of wisdom. And this is a man that attained all of the wisdom from God because that's all he asked for when he was asked by God in a dream. I think that was in Kings. Mm. And so then he went on to become the wealthiest, wisest person, then destroyed his life through a series of really dumb decisions, concubines and wealth, and and then wrote Ecclesiastes. Just like his dad. Yeah, just like exactly just like his dad. And comes to the end of Ecclesiastes, yep, the fear God, keep his commandments, it's the only thing that matters. It's like, yeah, yeah, Andrew Tate, dude, you know better than King Solomon, my guy. You definitely yeah. do. And I didn't want to say his name, like this whole podcast, but there, there it goes slipping That's out. Fine. But like seriously, That's though. fine. Yeah. Well, he I mean, like like not to. I don't want to. I don't want to diverge. Just just to acknowledge that he, that it's less so now than it was a year ago. But he's the name floating outside all discussions of masculinity anywhere right now, right? And so mm-hmm. I don't think it'll be that way forever. But but you're right. You're right. Is is that people don't? It's very difficult for men and women who are in their prideful, sinful flesh to go to scripture and to see themselves confronted and be like, hey. The thing that you did that you think makes you special or that, you know, that, that, that worry or you don't know me, you don't know my situation. It's like, yeah, it's all, it's all in the book. And, and, and it's like, and it's so confronting to the pride. And then there's also this question, like, who would I be without my pride? And this was one of the most important things that I ever read on my journey to becoming Christian is I read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's in this book. He says, when you give yourself to Christ, you don't lose yourself. What you do is you receive yourself back renewed. And it's like, but you're not your own anymore. And I'm like, that's interesting. I like that idea. And I tried it and it was proven true. This really beautiful way that meant a lot to me at the moment. Like, oh wow, that's real. And so I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people have this image of Christians and perhaps rightly so because you have, you have a lot of these culturally Christian people 
who aren't actual followers of the way. Um, cause that's how Christianity is called in the book of Acts is like, they were the followers of the way they weren't called Christians. Mm-hmm. They were called followers of the way. So what I say is that there are a lot of Christians. There are very few followers of the way is that they, they, they meet these, they meet these Christians who seem like they're not really f- on the ground. They're not grounded at all. They're kind of floating up in the air and they listen to airy fairy music. And it's like, there's no substance to them. And it's like, if I give myself to God, am I going to get back this like empty, hollow, lightweight version of myself? Like, I don't want to lose like, and, and it's the way that Christianity is misrepresented because the truth is when you truly give yourself to Christ, you get yourself back and all of your gifts are finished and perfected. And that's what's happening to me. I've always been a very theologically, we'll say spiritually minded man. Mm -hmm. Like since, as long as I can remember, I talk about this a lot. And to feel myself diving into the Bible and like, and now all these things are clicking into place for me. It's like, this is what I was given all this for. It's such a, and it's so freeing because it's clean. Like I'm bathing in rivers or eating from the pig's trough anymore. But a lot of men never hear that message. Like whatever your gifts are, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual gifts, you lay them on the altar before God and guess what? You get them back and then they're really yours and you put them into service for him. And it's so much better. It's just oh, scary because if you have to yeah, bring a particular Isaac up the mountain. Yeah, dude. And, and we talked about this in the last podcast. Is, and, and what's so amazing about that too, is that downstream from that Christ identity becomes your renewed identity. That's uniquely you. This is why yes. I love your Ren- Renaissance of Men conference series where all of these personalities mm-hmm. are uniquely different, strong personalities. Why? Yeah. Because of Jesus. You well take said. me and Noland and Ryan King and... Uh, um, it was uh, Spearing. Nate Spearing and Lawson. I think we're all on, on my, my panel when we did that. That's right. Yeah, amazing. I'll never forget that. That was like one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me. And I'm like, here we are, all guys with all the same values, but like, look how God has worked through us so differently, right? Yes. Instead of what happens in, in with the red pill in the manosphere, you kind of become a caricature, light, junior, little boy version of whoever your gumroad course that you're, you're purchasing, right? Mm-hmm. And- mm-hmm. That point about scripture is that it, it the, the conviction that you 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 feel when you read scripture is the gift of scripture, one of the gifts yeah. of scripture. You know, when I was, you know, holding on to the alcohol so dearly, anytime I would read something about a drunkard, there would be a part of me that would twist inside. Proverbs difficult. Oh, oh, oh. anything with Paul talking about you drunkards won't inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're like, oh, but I'm not. Um, but there's one particular passage in Hebrews where if you still willingly sin, there was no sacrifice made for you. Mm. And I'm just like, okay, let me just get up and go take a walk for a second here, man. Mm-hmm. But that's the truth. Right? It's not to say that you don't stumble and fall, but like, I think so many Christians use it as an excuse. Well, like God will forgive me. Well, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. But should you decide to make mistakes? And it's like the, the, the spotlight that I feel on my heart and my soul. I'm a guy, I cuss a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you see me in my men's groups, I cuss a lot. I, I've gotten into crap on my podcast for, you know, saying the word shit here and there. And that's becoming increasingly conv- convicting even for me because it's like mm-hmm. in every area, we should be a good example. Mm-hmm. We should be a good example. It's not to say that you're like this airy fairy dude. I think when people find out, especially that you're a Christian, they kind of look at you through like a, a microscope. All right, let's yep. see. Let's see. Let's try, which is a flaw of their, of, of their own character. Let's shoot it. See if we can find a sin in this person. It's like, well, that I, I, I understand that. And I don't think we carry that weight 
heavily enough on our shoulders as individuals. Which, which weight in particular being precise enough for ourselves? Being, being the example, right? It's like in, in all areas, we need to be representatives of, of the faith. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a process, right? Like sanctification is, is a real, it's a real process. And I don't fully understand how it works, like meaning the sense of which, how much we are called to actively participate in it versus how much of it unfolds on its own. But I was right. just thinking today, you know, cause I've done tons of inner healing work stuff, like, you know, not just ayahuasca and all that stuff, but all the, all the various new age practices, like I've done tons and tons of that stuff. And there were aspects, in fact, I was on a, I was on a, I was on a podcast talk about this the other day. There were things within, within myself that I talked about with my secular therapist at the time that like, just seemed like at the bottom of my being, like I couldn't identify where they came from, but they were just there and I couldn't get underneath them. And the secular therapist who was a really good therapist, he's like, yeah, there are just some things that we just can never get rid of. Right. There are just some things that it's too far back and who knows where it comes from. Right. And the thing is, 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 uh, during the process of sanctification for me over the course of the past, uh, over the past year, actually the past year or so, I think like those things at the bottom of me, bottom of me have started to move like effortlessly with the Holy spirit. And it's like, I thought I was going to be living with this, you know, thorn in my flesh, so to speak forever. And now it's going away. What is happening? And, and part of that is, I think part of that is I'm willing to let it go. Like I, I don't want to hold on to these things whether they would make me bitter or whatever. It's like, it's losing big parts of, of uh, the way that I identify my being on a day-to-day basis, like just carrying griefs or whatever. And so they're going away and it's this blessed process. I'm participating in it and it's changing me and regenerating me as a being. I don't know how that works. I don't know to what extent I, like, could I fight it? Do I want to? I'm not about, I'm not about to find out. I don't want to fight it. And that's always the promise that I give to people around Christianity. It's like, you're not just signing up for a set of moral beliefs. You are being regenerated as a person, as a being. But people don't hear that message enough, which is very strange. Oh, that's such a beautiful point, man, because that resonates so deeply uh, with me for for a number of reasons. Like, I think therapy yeah. is good to an end. But therapy, when you're trying to treat, like, let's say you're naturally anxious person like I am, or naturally kind of like more depressed, depressive person like I am, you're trying to treat this thing with therapy. You're trying to treat this open wound with like a bandaid and it's okay. Yeah. It's all right. It can facilitate some healing, but then yeah. you get guys in perpetuity trying to uncover these stones of where this trauma comes from. And it's like, you're over-processing everything. A guy like me, I come from a very depressive, anxious, panic, all this stuff. I used to worry tremendously. I was like a hypochondriac. You know, I used to have, you know, people mm. talk about attachment styles and anxious attached and, you know, uh, avoidant attached, all this stuff. You know, when I met my wife and I started to really walk with Christ, all of this stuff disappeared. It was a process, but like my mm. attachment style stuff that I thought was there just dissipated. The, the health worry mm. I used to have, that kind of just like dissipated. This like identifying as an anxious or depressed person, it kind of just like, yeah, it just disappeared. It, it's it's one of those weird things. I'm, I'm, I'm a meathead. So like I take supplements. So for example, it's it one, and I'm relating this to Jesus, but give me a second here. You're, you, once you start taking fish oil, okay, your joints hurt. <laughs> okay. You don't, yeah. you don't really, you don't notice the effects, but then enough time goes on and you forgot that they hurt. But it's only when oh, you stop okay. taking that those things, you're like, oh, that actually really hurt. But now talk about that on a spiritual level, on a much deeper, more profound level with Jesus. 
is that it was the same thing. Yes. It's like I took the Holy Spirit, and then over time, it's like he broke down my identity, yes, but these things, these these blocks, these places where I'd look endlessly for trauma to try to unpack and heal, gone. Gone. Mm -hmm. And it's that regeneration, that mm -hmm. renewal of your character, that renewal of your identity. And the same thing, too, for all the, the guys that lift weights out there, the guys and gals that lift weights out there. And it, I mean, it still somewhat bothers me my, on my flesh when I don't, let's say, hit a personal record after 10 plus years of training. I still most of the time do. But before, bro, it would like destroy my day. But now Oof. it's like glory to God for giving me this strong body to even do the stuff that I've done before. Cool. Right. I'm here doing this. I'm here in my basement doing this. My body's capable, two strong arms and legs and a core and a brain that works mostly properly most of the time. And mostly. I don't get nearly down on myself about that. It's like that is a testament to the heart yeah. change right there too because that was such an idol for me for so long then. Mm -hmm. And and I, that speaks because that dude, that would get me down forever. All of these things, the anxious, the, the being attached to money. And for me, the financial success piece, if I were to be completely honest, the ambitious part of me, the financial success, the wanting to secure the future, that's like the last frontier with me. God's mm. still actively breaking that down. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me. Exist in the contentment and the peace that the blessings have already come and there are more to come, but just rest in the presence and the present. Because I'll be honest, I went, mm. I was been going through a bit of like this anxiety, like I got to do more, I got to do more. And Brandon and in the brotherhood, shout out to all my brothers and the masculine rival brotherhood. They sat me down yesterday. They're like, bro, like you're tripping over nothing. Look mm. at your life. Beautiful wife, beautiful, healthy children, beautiful home. Like you're healthy. Your fridge is full of food. You have a gym in your bed. They just listed off all these things. And it's so funny how, and it's just a testament to brotherhood and how much we all need that aspect, especially as men. Some of us just need to hear that, man, especially when we're existing in that chaos. So if you're a Christian man out there and you're listening, you're like entrepreneurial minded, you're ambitious, but it, it holds your heart captive like it does me so often, everything is going to be fine. If we refer back to scripture, the one thing that pops in my mind is that God provides for the birds in the air. They do not lack or want. They don't worry about where their food's going to come from. How much more does he care about us? And sometimes I need to like repetitiously say that to myself because that is so true because I still get so caught up in that. And if you were to talk, mm -hmm. talk to me 10 years ago and say, hey, Mike, by 30, you're going to have these things. I'd laugh at you and say, you're crazy. There's no way. And here I sit with all of these things I never thought that I was going to have. And there's like still discontentment that comes upon my heart sometimes. Like, how dare I slap God in the face for the blessings that he's bestowed upon me? Mm -hmm. just, a, just a testament to the, the flesh knows no limit, right? I'm rambling again, Will. No, no, no. I'm, I'm right there with you. In fact, like I was... Um... I was just talking, I was just talking to someone about this today and in, in myself. Um, and I can relate very much. Um, you know, since we're, since we're laying our cards on the table, I'll, I will also lay my, lay my cards on the table. So, um, so one of the things I haven't really talked about it too much on the podcast is like, I was, I was bullied pretty bad in like fifth and sixth grade. Um, and so that really left, that really left an, an imprint on, on me. Then I had a growth spurt when I was like 13, 14 years old and they left me alone. But like for those <laughs> couple of years when I was like, you know, 10, 11, 12, it was really, really rough. And so, and so now, and so what I, what I, um, I guess the story that I would tell myself about it is that like, I developed this need to like protect myself, you know what I mean? And the way that I protect myself is by like doing it all right. So that no one will ever hurt me again. And so the impulse was good, but what it does is it drives me to do way too much and just run myself into the ground because I can right? Because I can do all those different things. 
And so, and so it was a really big realization for me, especially, you know, in this world of like masculine content creation, Christian or not, it's a bunch of very strong, very capable men. And there's as much capability as there is ego. And there's as much pride as there is sincerity. And it's, you know, it's, it can be a beautiful world and it can be a very messy world. And my response to that hasn't always been healthy. I've always driven my, I've driven myself into the ground many times. And it's like really having to, really having to trust that like, okay, I don't have to do it all anymore. I didn't even then, but like now I know it's like, okay, now I just have to step back and trust that there are cares enough for the day and not act in terms of my own capability and strength in a way that's, that's reactive or toxic or doing it all. It's like, how can I maximize my own capability in a God, godly, God-honoring, a righteous God-honoring way and not have it be reactive, right? And so I think that's, that's something that a lot of men have to learn. It's like you're given these gifts and you're given these abilities. You're given these incredible physical gifts, right? Like, you, like I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm probably never going to be able to deadlift 800 pounds. It's probably just not going to happen, right? But like this is the way that different men learn to work together. And so your physical gifts served their own ends, and so when they didn't serve their own ends, you would beat, beat yourself up, right? For your own reasons. Same for me, say, say mental gifts, like they would serve their own ends, right? And when I don't, it's like, it's this whole massive anxiety thing. It's like learning to step back and all that and just kind of trust, okay, let me slow down. What do I need to do today? Do I have enough, <laughs> right? Yeah, because there's no security in the future, right? There's just no security right. in the future, really, right? I mean, uh, I saw this wonderful quote and we all like we all fall victim to this just because of our own egos but uh anxiety is atheism in action Ooh, oof and that hit me that hit me i'm like worried about all but i'm like today is good we're good bills are paid yeah bills are you know go ahead i want to i want to i want to okay anxiety though let's like yes a hundred percent and do you think anxiety is a conscious response or do you think that there's like an unconscious aspect to it? Right. Do you like, cause, cause does anxiety come up from within a deeper level or does it come down from above within our own minds? You know what I mean? Cause it's a heart thing. Right. So it's like, cause if it's a head thing, like the head, the, the head starts getting into the red RPMs. Right. And, and then it gets down to the heart. You get anxious or does anxiety come from the heart? And like the anxiety spreads upward through your neck into your mind. You know what I mean? That's a, wow. That's a great question. And I can't even like immediately answer that right now. Cause my initial thoughts were like, it's a head thing, but I'm like, Hmm, if you find yourself chronically anxious all the time, is there that still that little piece of your heart? That's still a heart of stone. Like there's that little corner piece where like, yeah, you're still anxious. What do you think? I maybe I, the best answer that I can give right now is that it depends on the man, because I yeah. could say in myself, you know, I, I've struggled with my own version of, of anxiety, but it's like deep in my heart in a way that like the conscious mind can't get access to it. It's like my brain's knocking, like what's going on in there? And my heart's like, nope, come back later. <laughs> We're just in here being anxious. <laughs> right. And so I can't get at it. And so that's, that's its own set of challenges. But, but certainly I'm familiar from my own experience of like worrying myself sick Versus like, uh, but and the reason why I say all this is because he's like, does that mean that there's some part of me? I suppose it does. There's some part of me that is an atheist. Yeah. There's some part of you that doesn't trust God. For me, I know that my anxiety yeah, travels straight through my head because I can experience this peace in my body and in my life. And I start to think I'm thinking all day long. I overthink everything. I always think the worst case scenario uh, okay. and it goes down and then it infects the rest of my body. And then I'm a mess. 
Got it. There's like mm. physical pain. Like there is, and I need to be shaken awake by my brothers yesterday. Like, hey, bro, this is what you're doing. You're already doing what God's calling you to do. Rest in the gift of today. There's no security in the future. You're good. And so there's that lack of trust. But then I look back, well, I mean, my whole life, but especially the last, let's say, five years of, you know, being with my wife and then having kids and all that stuff. Right when I thought like all hope was lost, it's somehow, it always, it's like, why did I worry? Like it always worked. Like I can, t I could point to 20 different things immediately where I had all this worry. I ruined moments. I pretty much ruined my wedding day because of some, some dumb with like a mortgage broker and some fraud and stuff. And I ruined it and it all worked out in the end. Anyways, it all, it all worked I mean, out amazingly well in the end anyways. And so when I heard that quote, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I don't trust God enough. I don't, it's especially like, listen too. God's not just going to like, if you're just sitting idly and not doing anything with your life, I would say you, it would behoove you to take action, but I'm speaking specifically to those like yourself and myself and many of the other ambitious guys that we all know is that if you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing every day, rest in that you're planting the seeds and the harvest mm. will come because, and <laughs> I think I've, I've mentioned Ecclesiastes in probably every podcast, but I need to revisit this book multiple times a year because there's a time to weep. There's a time for joy. There's a time for death. There's a time for life. There's a time to reap. There's a time to sow. There's a, there's seasons in life and God has made it abundantly clear to me when I'm trying to make a business venture work, let's say brotherhood 2.0 that I put so much into it, like mentally, I'm like, this is going to be the thing. And then it fell flat on its face, all this block, these blocks coming up. But when something is meant to happen, God just blesses it and it flows like a river. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, very true. And we're not, we don't pay attention to that stuff, man. Like there are seasons where I know God wants me to rest in this season because everything that I'm trying to do is not working or he wants me to work. He wants me to work because he's giving me this inspiration. He's giving me this vigor and things are now starting to make sense and tie together. All right, capitalize on that providential wisdom, man. That's a gift, right? But it's like, that's where we need that discernment, man. Like read that book. If you're in that season where you're like, nothing's working, maybe God's telling you to just chill for a bit, man. Or, or focus on, maybe focus on what's in front of you mm. with sincerity and commitment. But like, it's not your moment to be flying full speed down the, down the track. Right. Like, exactly. Cause I, cause certainly I can yeah, I mean, there, there'll be moments where it's just like, it's flowing, it's clicking, things are happening. It's like amazing. And then it's like, there's a big slowdown. It's like, what's going on? It's like, well, just keep, there's a Doug Wilson book called Plotactivity. It's like, just keep plodding along, right? Just keep, just keep doing the thing and don't feel like every moment that you're, you should be or can be sprinting. But, and this, this might be where, where I'll speak for myself, where I still might have to get some some red pill manosphere kind of thinking purged out of my head where it's like, there might still be vestiges of like, no one cares, work harder, like yeah, program sure. somewhere back there. For sure. Right. Hustle cut cluster culture. Right. Because that's the masculinity space is like, I'm hustling harder than you. Like even in the Christian space, there's a, there's a little bit of that. Now I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. Like, especially my podcast and other stuff, it can be a grind sometimes, but I love it. And I can see the way in which I can like, go too hard at it. Right. And it's like, got to keep up. Got to work on that. Dude, for sure. It, it, and there's a the thing, if, if we're not a good steward of what's in front of us, we'll never be a good steward of what's to come. Mm -hmm. 
we just never will mm-hmm. be because it's like look around our lives are like man okay i prayed for this now it's come true and I'm, I'm not grateful like how dare i if i'm not grateful for the pot i have to piss in or the beautiful home that i have or the fridge that is full of food and the health of my family and all this stuff and having money put away and all these things or if you have much less like you have to be just it, it, it's cheesy but it's, it's absolutely true it's like i mean all we have is now my eyes have been so set on the horizon that I've, I've missed my feet in the grass so many times in so many precious moments where like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just completely disconnected and it's ruined mm-hmm. many precious moments because I'm just so wrapped up in this worry, you know? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of that too is, is, is that hustle culture stuff. It's, it's, and I've got, it's all so cringe to me, man, especially with this, this worldview that I have now, like, you know, I love a lot of these creators like Harmozy and Gary Vee and all these guys, but it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh this yeah, is, no. It's so little over tiny the top. Bits, little tiny doses. Did you not see that viral yeah. clip of Hermosi talking about well, slaves worked all day for all of their all of their life, so I can too. Like if they can do that, I'm capable. You're like, Cringe. what what the hell are you even saying, bro? Yeah, yeah. No. No. But th- well, sometime on Instagram earlier this year, I want to say like April or May, I went through his Instagram looking for it. I don't know if it's still there. Maybe if someone if someone finds it. Um, see if you can find it. He posted a photo of himself. It might've actually, no, it was in his, was it in his stories or was it on his feed? I don't remember. Anyway, he posted a photo like doing the one eye sign. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and with the caption, fancy marketing monocle. That's all he said. Fan, like just straight up one eye sign like that. By the way, someone's going to screenshot that. So see, I told you, please send it over because I want to see this too. If this is true. Yeah, so like for the army of army of listeners, go to Hormozy's feed and see if you can find it. He might have deleted it, but it's like that's. I mean, for people who pay attention to that sort of thing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like it's it's a good sign of like someone who's fancy marketing monocle. Like, really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like and what anybody does that would, even mean? Yeah, what does that mean, bro? Like, what do you? It's all hidden in plain sight, though, right? It's a, that's exactly right, exactly right. So, like, you get a sense of like people who get into that whole world, you know, they, um, they, uh, you know, naturally find themselves going off the deep end in terms of the things that they say. Inevitably. Yeah. Inevitably. And I found myself at the bottom of many bottles because I was just burning myself out too hard. And this is something that he talks about too. He's like, I was drinking a half a bottle a night and I wasn't an alcoholic. You're like, dude, yes, you and were. I know he's not, he's, he denies Christ. So it's, it, I can't speak right. to him with that, that level of, you know, we're not we're not having the same conversation right so right i love a lot of his stuff i'm not even trying to dog him it, it, i mean it doesn't really matter yeah. but it, it, it's one of those things where um it eventually will kill you in some capacity mm. whether it's going to kill experiences with your family how many moments i've robbed myself and my family of my presentness because a lot this is the thing about let's let's say being um an absentee father i posted a video that did fairly well on instagram about a bunch of fathers that don't even didn't even know the color of their children's eyes or their birthdays Okay. And so you can abandon your family and your body is still in the house. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. Oh dude. And it's like the power and the intention of our presence. And there's been so many moments where I've been so wrapped up in work and business and stuff and, and, and money where I'm there, but I'm not there. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhere else. I'm checked out and into, into the the universe somewhere, or I'm Mm. half drunk, just withdrawing into my shell. And yeah, I'm in the house, but am I, am, am I present? Yeah. 
and I still look back at, you know, those times with, with some guilt. And I find myself now where I have to like continually ground myself, stay here. Like you're right here, stay here. Like, and I have to like repetitiously say a prayer out loud in my head. Like, okay, God, you know, why, why have you afflicted me like this? It's not him. That's it's my own condition. Um, but this is something that I love that Nolan talks about and that I don't really see many people talk about. It's like your greatest, your greatest job as a father starts when your work day actually ends. Some people might disagree. You know, some people can, you know, they have great arguments to disagree. I know me and uh, Arthur blood and rain had a bit of an exchange on that on my, my Instagram. And it was a great exchange. Like he had, he has great points. I had great points, but I, I, I firmly do agree, agree with that. It's like, listen, like you're not just a provider. You're there for your family too. And so how many guys mm-hmm. out there are have completely abandoned their families, but their bodies exist in the home. Oh yeah. Or, or like their, they, their bodies exist in the home and whether they're yeah working, you know, checked out, like whether drinking or TV or like their, their dads who work all the time. So they're physically present, but are they really there with their families? And, and, and maybe they're even thinking about work. Like, and I remember, I remember someone said a while ago, that, um, and I don't know if this is true, perhaps you can speak to this, is that with kids, it matters less how much time you spend with them. In some senses, it matters like, are you present? So if you're a dad that for whatever reason, you have to work 16 hours a day, whatever, right? Like for wherever your family's at, that if you come home and you set aside 15 or 20 minutes and you're there, Yep. Not on your phone, not thinking about anything else. You put like, if you're there for those 20 minutes, that's better than a dad who's only half there for three hours. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's, it makes a lot of sense that it's that connection that they're looking for. And if, and, and obviously don't live that way for 20 years, but like, it's, it's that at least your, your father was physically present, like spiritually present, emotionally present with you for the limited time he could provide. That makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know. Maybe you can speak to that. Yeah. I mean, there's, I have a, she, my eldest daughter, Amadea, it's even trippy to say that now because I have two. It's so wild. Praise God. <laughs> she turned it's a beautiful two. name, Amadea. That's awesome. Yeah. And her younger sister is uh, Serafina. So both Italian mm. name, Amadea means uh, love of God, and Serafina is a take on seraphim, like the angel, the angel word. I mean, I'm not going to get into that. But, anyways, praise yeah, God for the both of them. Amadea turned two on October praise 11th. God. Yeah. And, Amazing. She's got this happy little birthday, pers- Amadea. Yeah, yeah. I'll let her know that Uncle Will said happy birthday. Oh man. Yeah. It was and to say that she's two years old, but she has this personality. She's walking, talking, you know, she's there is a difference. When I am there and I'm engaged with her, she I can see that she knows it. It's hard for me to explain, but when I'm there and I'm actively playing with her and I'm not just like sitting there watching her do something. And just let's say, like, just kind of like mindlessly trying to, there is a huge difference in how she responds to me. And I'm very, very attentive to that. Even the way my, my, my newborn, like, just looks at me. I know she probably doesn't even really see anything, but I'm trying to even channel that focus into her because I'll be honest with you, when Amadea was an infant, I was not present. I was at the gym all day. And when I came home, yeah. I had a couple of drinks and I would just sit there with her and I'm like checked out completely. Mm. And that, and that weighs on me, but yes, like it's not enough just to be, yeah, you're there playing with your kids, but are you there with your kids? This is why I absolutely, and I'm holding up my Apple watch. I hate these things, yeah, but I feel like I'm, I'm at like the freaking mercy of them sometimes. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I can help you with that. There's this thing called this new technology, the new eye hammer, and you take the oh. eye hammer and you apply it to the kid. You apply it to the iWatch over and over again. It doesn't yeah. wonder. <laughs> I, I saw you made a tweet about that. You're not a huge fan. Are, are you? 
No, 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 no. I, I wear I wear a wrist clock. It's a wrist cl- a wrist it's clock. <laughs> yeah. Yes. You, you wear a watch? Those things still exist? I wear a watch, bro. How do you they find do, out how, do, how many steps you walked, bro? How do you not like how do you not count them in my I count them in my head throughout the day like a real man? You know what? You know what, dude? I wouldn't put it past you to do that. You've got the brain for that. <laughs> I can't count that high. But no, dude, there, there, there's there's a, there's a huge difference there. And and again, it's back to the leadership piece we were talking about earlier in the podcast, right? It's like you have to cont- consistently check yourself. And it's like, bro, it's some, sometimes I find myself praying to God. I'm like, yeah, you know what? This man thing, this man thing ain't easy. No wonder so many guys fail at it. <laughs> yeah. The degree of difficulty is so much harder than it's ever been either as well, because yeah. in addition to, I think, I think it's all, it's never been easy, but at least, at least society in a 360 degree sense. So like generationally prior, you know, our fathers and grandfathers, and then following after us, we had a reasonable expectation of passing on some sort of lineage in one way or another. We had community around us. We didn't have to remedy everything. We weren't acting in rebellion to society simply by being men. Like the degree of difficulty now is probably in some ways, I don't want to say always because it wasn't super easy during the Black Plague either, but like in some ways, the degree of difficulty of what it means to be a man is higher than it's ever been with men who, at least on the surface, would seem less qualified for it, right? Like we're figuring this out kind of as we go, like we're winging it, you know, and we're winging it in front of an audience. And this is, this is another thing. It's like, mm. because I think women inside them, there's a great book called Men in Marriage by George Gilder that came out on Canon Press a couple months ago. Very controversial. But he makes a good point, the author does, that because men are made and women are born, right? Yep. That means that women can't intuitively understand that we as men have to constantly be proving ourselves because they never have to do that. Yep. So they, they, so, so, so they look at us learning and fumbling and failing and they're like, why can't you just figure it out? <laughs> Cause I was born perfect. Like not perfect, but you know, even in a non-sinful way, like I was born just with this intuitive knowledge of who I am and men, it's like, I have to go out in the world and get beat up to figure it out. <laughs> and so we have to do that in front of women who think it, who, who in some senses are intuitively wired to think it's easy. And so we're doing it in front of an audience that's giving us a scorecard. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. Oh, right. dude, for sure. And and there's a lot of guys that talk about this and it's so true. It's like, there's, well, there's no initiation anymore, right? Into manhood, yeah, what it even I want to fix that, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and in, a, in a sense where you're not just taking guys out to a boot camp and yelling at them for a weekend. For sure. $15,000. Like, <laughs> yeah. You take the words out of my mouth. Hey man, Hey, you know, you do you get yours. It's all good. But. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's absurd for sure. But yeah. the reality is, is that there is initiation into womanhood. I know, dude, it's, and you see the videos are like, I can't, I can't even wrap my head around this stuff, but um, I can't. Yeah. Um, there's an initiation into womanhood for women. Like they, 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 when they're 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 you're, you're right. They're born and they are what they are already. There's a degree all women are competent in. I mean, let's say most women that can carry children are competent in carrying children and birthing children. That's a pretty, amazing thing to be competent in just by virtue of birth so mm-hmm. you have your first period okay boom you're a woman you're okay congratulations and then you got the you got dudes especially dudes like me without no father you're like what the hell am i doing out here man and trying to communicate oh, you to you. yeah 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 it's like yeah yeah and my my wife looks at me she's like why, why are you stressing out all the time like we're good i'm not worried i'm like babe you don't understand 
Okay. It's, it's, it's not about the weight on the bar. It's not about the money in the bank account. It's about keeping score of my competency to a degree, because I, I truly believe like, you know, the law of entropy, everything gravitates toward chaos. Or if I'm like, if I'm not striving forward in some degree, I feel like I'm going backwards. Like I'm not getting, becoming more competent in any area. (laughs) And I know this is probably, this is probably the tug at the flesh part, because I know this, none of this is lines up with, with, let's say with doctrine, but it's, it's, if I'm not improving in some area, I feel like not that I'm less than a man, but there's more work to be done, right? Like it, Hmm. because so much of masculinity is built upon competency and this idea, I mean, masculinity in and of itself kind of hard to define and it's mostly aspirational mm-hmm. like you don't mm-hmm. get to a place where you're like i'm the man now you're like well no like are do you have you surpassed alexander the great have you surpassed solomon probably not so like you're not there yet and even those men mm-hmm. weren't there yet well right? and even no matter how hard you try you still won't surpass christ so no like, that's just it the ultimate standard yeah. it's like you'll never be that so i mean and yeah in some ways, almost like trying to do that is almost futile to a degree. It's futile to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like past a certain point, how much more do you need? Right. And I, I, I don't know yes. how to answer that question. I don't either. And because if, if, um, so God makes us capable, ambitious men and are, like, how do we, there's a rightly, there's a way to rightly order and wrongly order capability and ambition. So let's just say that, that you're living in a moment where you're, your capability and your ambition are, are rightly ordered, that you're, that you're serving God and not your flesh. Okay. God made us th- that way to have those things. How do we stay in a place where these things are rightly ordered? Like it, I don't, and I, th- and I would naturally think for myself like, oh yes, I'd like to just reach this like James Bond Omega state. You know what I mean? Where I'm just like, I'm in the flow, but the reality is you can't ever like actually stay there. Nope. You know, the daily ups and downs of life will either put you into this moment where you're in the flow state and it's all clicking or you're in your flesh and you're, you're striving. And that's a daily discipline to be like, wait, hold on. I'm striving right now. Let me slow that down versus like, oh, today it's all happening and it's all flowing. Right. And that's the, that's, I guess that's the, that's the process is just being able to have the, the awareness and the, the, the self-reflectivity to say like, I'm striving in my own flesh today. It sucks. I hate it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's true. It's a good point. Mm-hmm. Because I'll spend all day like that, right? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. It's something I needed to hear because I apply the same philosophies I do at the gym, where it's like just find a different way to win, and it could be micro examples, like just very small examples. It could be, okay, I recorded two videos today, check. I read two chapters mm-hmm. today, check. Like these little things where I'm like, okay, I'm keeping of these micro wins, but I'm like, at what point does that actually become? I'm starting to have this conversation with myself. Um, at what point does this become idolatry? Do you mm-hmm. always have to win? I mean, there's something mm. really good to the masculine spirit of like, okay, I'm ticking off those. Cause dude, I've turned around many a days that I woke up. I'm like, I don't want to post today. I don't want to record today. I don't want to do anything. And I did it. And I felt it turned around the entire day. But what, what, when do you know when to just not do that and exist in the tension of you're not going to win today, dude. It's okay. Mm exist in the blessings that God's already given you. You don't got to win today. Today's not a winning day. I, I don't know, man. That's cha- that's chaos for me. Not that's, having a winning day. Yeah. Not having so, you know, a day where I didn't stack. Cause you hear all these guys, Andy Frisella, all these dudes, they all have great stuff to say, but it's like you win at any cost, right? 
You're obsessed mm-hmm. with winning. You're stacking wins every single day. It's okay. I think most guys can find ways to win most days. But how are the days that you don't? How do you deal mm-hmm. with those? Right? Like, I, have you given this much? I'm sure you have. You're an ambitious guy. It's like, well, how do you exist in the tension of not winning? Because I myself, I I do not know how to exist in that tension of not winning. I feel like a failure. Hi, everyone. I want to take a moment to talk with you about Reformation Coffee's four key promises. First, they say, we will serve God and glorify his name with our business. How many companies do you currently support that say that? Second, Reformation Coffee says, we will strive to serve you the highest quality, freshly roasted coffee. Did you catch that? Freshly roasted coffee. Reformation does not white label beans roasted by someone else. You order, he roasts, he ships, you grind, you drink. And a pastor, his family, and his community are supported. I hope the picture is coming into focus. Third, they say, we will roast your coffee within three days of your order. That means you don't have to wait for your coffee to be produced. You order on Monday, they roast by Thursday. This isn't a side hustle. This isn't a hobby. Men, I really hope you're getting the picture here, because the fourth promise Reformation Coffee makes is this. We will ship your coffee within four days of your order. Your fresh roasted coffee is shipped right away. It doesn't sit on the shelf waiting for the fulfillment guy to get around to it after he's done with his other job. For Brandon, this is a family affair. He roasts, the family ships, tracks, accounts, and fulfills. They all work together to do one thing, deliver you an incredible cup of coffee. So when you order Reformation coffee, that's what you're buying into, which is why week after week, I'm telling you to peel a few dollars off your monthly coffee budget to support a man and his family giving their all to build into Christendom. Just a labor of love, one with a generational impact that you can taste. So I hope I've convinced you, not just why you should be drinking Reformation coffee because it's delicious, but why you should be supporting them which you can do by going to reformationcoffee.com right now and ordering some beans. Buy 12-ounce bags or samplers. You can also subscribe to have your coffee delivered automatically and use the code SUBFREE to get one free 12-ounce bag on the house. And remember, when you do, you'll be purchasing God-glorifying coffee, fresh roasted on demand within three days and shipped right away. And that, I thought, was something worth celebrating. Happy sipping, friends. Let's let's define let's define then what a, what a win is, because it can look a lot of different ways. Like a win can be like you know I bagged X thousands of dollars today, or a win a win could be my clip went super viral, or like what is when because I don't follow the, these hustle culture guys because they stress me out. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so so you. when they yeah so when they say um, when they say stacking wins, what what do they generally mean? Or let's let's operationalize it and make it specific. There's lots of examples, but what's one that we can just kind of kick around? Yeah. So okay, you didn't feel like posting something, you posted it. That's a bit of a win. You you okay. recorded a video for YouTube. That's a win. Because yeah. a, a clip going viral is like I think a big win, but you just posting the clip to me is like a micro win. You did it. You didn't want to. That's did your the like thing. your you did the thing. You, t- you there's like a the 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 power list the the you do it the night before i don't do that stuff i just know consciously i want to accomplish a couple of things every day mm-hmm. but okay. some days there's no creativity some days you're like you're hitting like your head on the wall you're like okay what am i going to say today what am i going to post today and you don't know even know what the hell that is like mm-hmm. i don't know how to just okay i'm just not going to do it or do i just force myself to do it with the gym it's very easy because if you're not strong okay you're just the bar is going to cripple you so what are you going to do man just show up that's fine and walk away knowing that you still showed up it's all good 
it's hard for me. I struggle with that big time. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there's a, yeah. And I, and I can relate to that. So I would say that I think it's probably necessary as a man, I'll, I'll give the first couple answers that come to my mind and there's probably a third one in there. So I, I think the first thing, actually, let's, let's put the first things first. The first thing is, you know, you, um, keep the Sabbath day holy. So there's one day a work week where you don't do any work at all, where you just set the day aside for, um, for worshiping God, not necessarily leisure, but one day like church prayer, turn the phone off. Don't reply to messages. Like I tell my coaching clients, my mentorship clients, like I'm off on Sundays. I don't reply to messages on, on Sundays or voice Smart. notes or anything like that. Catch me again on Mondays. Yeah. And it's been a discipline. Like I don't reply to emails. Like if there's something super urgent, yeah, like you're supposed to be able to attend to things that are urgent and important, right? But like in general, I don't work on I don't work on Sundays. In fact, I've almost gotten to the point where it's like I don't even buy anything on Sundays. Like get your gas mm -hmm. on Saturday, right? And and uh, so to the point where I do less and less on Sunday. So that day is completely set aside where I can just worship God, read scripture, you know, read good books, and 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 de and decompress the first day of the week. And so that sort of means that like I get one day of a week that it's just completely off. And, that, and I give myself that gift and I'm commanded to give myself that gift by God. So that means that I can work harder six days of the week, right? Because I know that there's one day of the week that like, I don't got to think about nothing besides, besides glorifying God. So that's one. And then I think the other thing that I do for myself is because there's a lot that goes into my podcast production that like, I have to be doing stuff every single day now, yeah. right? So I get my dedicated wins every day. But then I think there's just some times where it's just like, you know what? I just don't got it today. I just don't, I just don't got it today. And I'll just like, you know, hit the reset button and get up and try again tomorrow. But I've done the thing today that I knew that I need to, to make sure that I get the podcast out on Friday or like, cause realistically, like we're truly stacking wins every day. Yeah. Like, in some capacity, on, for, there's not, for sure. Not like I'm going to spend a whole day just lying back and staring <laughs> and drooling. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, no, you're right. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I always get a certain amount of steps a day you know, even if it's family time or whatever, there's always something, but I take so many nuggets of wisdom when I, when I speak to you, but, um, a reminder that I needed was to keep the Sabbath holy. Um, yeah, because I've it's worked been a big thing for me seven days a week forever. And I'm just saying, I mean, I mean oh, yeah. I'm not saying all day Sunday, I'm saying maybe an hour, maybe two, but I'm now actively. Okay. Sometimes three, sometimes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sometimes three, but no, but for real, sometimes three. And then I know yeah. that I'm going into Monday almost like with a chaotic energy because it's just, exactly. there's just been no, there's been no, and it's like, no wonder I indulged in alcohol, right? Like I would come by the end of the week and I just wanted Oof. to just like, just decompress like, man, I've just been running so hot and like God has given me a gift. Okay. I can run hot for a long time. Okay. I'm like a big block yeah. engine, but then some, at some point the coolant, coolant system is going to go sideways and it's just going to blow up and big block oh, engines yeah. blow up with a higher you know, uh, uh, higher velocity, they, they explode. There's a larger blast radius. Um, and unfortunately my family's there to sort of collect the shrapnel in their own bodies as a Ooh, result. Of yeah. Metaphor. You know what I'm saying? So I think, yeah, especially after this, 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 uh, podcast, um, that's something that I'm going to do. And I want you to keep, not keep me accountable. I'm going to message you in what's, what's it. Okay. November 1st, the week of November 1st, I'm not going to be okay. doing any work on that Sunday. Great. Oh yeah. I'm happy. I'm happy to hear that because like, it's been, it's been a big thing. So I've, I've been exploring, uh, like puritanism, which has a really bad name in, you know, it's like a, that people are very severe and very hard and very boring. 
But like Puritans, the Puritans, they were called the physicians of the soul. Mm. And so the, the Puritans kept to a very strict doctrine of practice, of faith and practice, doctrine and practice. And so I've been reading the Westminster Confession of Faith, and I found it to be so healing because like it's so solid. It's like fear God and keep his commandments. And it's so healing to me in such powerful ways. And so like God gives us these laws, not for his benefit. God doesn't need anything from us. God's good. He gives, the, he gives us these laws for our benefit. Yeah. Ultim, ultimately, right? Like, and we, we obey him because he's God and he made us and he knows how we're meant to work. And so this is how he says, like, if you follow the user manual, trust me, you'll have better results. And so for me, the Sabbath, like I didn't think much about it until I started meeting some people that were very serious about the Sabbath. Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, come on, I can do some stuff. But then very quickly as I got sanctified with that and, uh, and I, I went and I tried to do some actual work, like get some stuff copied at like a FedEx, like a FedEx Kinko's kind of font. And I did that and it was like, it was just the shortest little errand and I was exhausted afterwards. Yeah. It's yeah. so strange. And mm. so like that aspect, it's like, it's such a gift to say like, Hey, you know what? I get up, I go, I go to one church in the mornings and I go to another church in the evenings. And I got a little bit of time in between. I read a book, take it easy, you know, eat some, eat some good food, go to bed early. And I get that one day a week where it's just all switched off. And it's awesome. That's awesome. Man, that, that, that sticks really deeply with me. Cause when I even think about my energy curve throughout the week and probably a lot of people can relate yeah. by Saturday afternoon, evening, I'm like, well, okay, I'm getting tired. I'm getting tired. Oh Yeah physically, mentally, spiritually. And then Sunday comes and I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm going to go to church when I do these things. And when I show up to work, I'm not, I'm not doing it to the glory of God. I'm not, I'm doing it. Cause it's like, okay, I got to do this. I have to do this. Got to respond to these emails and do these programs. And I'm not doing it with any kind. I'm not saying you have to show up to work enthusiastic every day, but it's like, you should be putting sure. in no matter what you're doing to the glory of God, doing it to honor him and doing it with the, the fullest of your capability, but you're showing up out mm -hmm. of this, like this, like tired, exhausted obligation. Well, first of all, if you have clients or coaching clients or whatever you do, they're going to suffer. The service is going to yeah. suffer. And that is that pleasing to God. And then you go into Monday and okay, well, it's all over again. So this has been a very convicting part of this podcast, man. So when I, when I, and when I say two weeks from now, it's because there's got to be with, with my, especially my fitness clients, there's gotta be a bit of a transition period. Cause I've set the precedent oh, sure. with, 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 you know, sending responses and stuff on Sunday. Thankfully I got great clients, but it's one of those things that's gotta be a process. And, uh, my wife's going to thank you for, for, uh, you know, bringing this up during this podcast and convicting me to it. So I thank you on her behalf. You're welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome, man. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing. And, you know, we were talking, um, we were talking earlier about the why, like, I'm, I'm grateful to just point you back to God's law for all of us, you know, and that's, and that's the thing we live, we live in, even in North America, we live in hustle culture, you know, whatever we can do to get ahead of, you know, one guy get ahead of the other. But I, I've actually found that, that, you know, knowing that, and, and if you can, if that means you take seven days, great. Like I work eight days a week, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing, right? But it's actually, there's no such thing as eight days a week. And the men who work seven days a week can do that for stretches, but then they ultimately burn out and break down. Yep. And, and my real feeling about it is that, is that men who obey God's law and women too, who obey God's law and keep the Sabbath and, uh, and make it holy, um, you know, keep it holy, they, they actually have a long-term competitive advantage because they, can, they take a day to actually rest and recover and slow down 
in a way that hustle culture doesn't let any other men. And also what I think what a lot of men will do is they'll take like half rests on Saturday and Sunday. So it's like, so they don't, they actually work like they work, you know, Monday through Friday and then like their Fridays and Saturdays are spent like are spent drinking or partying or whatever. And then they're recovering on Sunday and then they go back in the wash on Monday. Yeah. And that's a losing bet as well. Right. I, I've been there. Absolutely been there. That's, that's the urban lifestyle, right? That's what it means to live in a big city versus I, as a Christian man, I'm called to be sober. I can have a drink or two. That's fine. Like I usually don't want more than two lately. It's been like one, like I'll have a glass of wine. Cool. And then like I get, I get the, get to the end of the week. I don't have any hangovers. I get my rest on Sunday, just truly to rest, get to bed early. And I just get back after it on Monday and then, you know, run it again. And I, I can do that for a lifetime. I, the alternative I can't do for a lifetime. For sure. For sure. And I think, you know, once, you know, God willing, you have a family of your own, these habits mm-hmm. that you've already established yeah. are going to serve them incredibly well. Yes. Where unfortunately my family's got this like, you know, <laughs> manic meathead of a father and husband, which, you know, it, whatever it serves my, it, it's good to a certain point, but I know my family would want me there and rested on Sundays for them, for myself. Um, yes. and not that it's harder to rein in when you have a family, it's, it, it's probably easier because you have a greater reason to do so. Um, right. Just sometimes, again, just like the conversation I had with the brothers yesterday, sometimes I just need to be told this stuff explicitly. Like you, it's one thing to read it. It's another thing to hear it from a man that you respect. And mm. so it's just that, it, and it's to that point of refilling yourself back up because you've emptied yourself this whole week. Yes. So you come back to Monday, not only just re-energized, but ready to do the work God's called you to do in a way that mm-hmm. honors him and pleases him. Because my prayer is like, you know, and a shout out to, this guy's amazing, Myron Golden. I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard of him. So he's like an entrepreneur guy. He's a coach, but he's also been like in ministry and a preacher. And he, he teaches a lot of business around biblical principles. You should check him out. He's incredible, Mm. incredible. Okay. Um, and he prays a prayer that's very similar to Solomon's prayer in, in Kings. And that's, you know, God, uh, give me the wisdom to do what you put me on this earth to do in a way that pleases you to serve the people that I was meant to serve. And I start to think about that and I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not doing, if I'm not, if I'm begrudgingly showing up on Sunday when I shouldn't be working on Sunday, am I doing that in a way that pleases him? And am I really serving the people that I am meant to serve? Yeah. Serving them the way that I should be. Mm -hmm. No. So how old are you? I'm turning 31 in January. Oh yeah, dude. Okay. Like some of this, some of this is is like, is, is young is, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way at all. Some of this is just young man stuff. For sure. Like, like, one of the things that I that I say, and I've been saying a lot lately, is that a man doesn't truly become useful until he's thirty five. Now, and the reason, and, and I and I say that because it's not that men are useless beforehand, but it's like there's something that happens at thirty five where it's like there's like a curing or a maturing or a settling, right? It's and I say it in the same sense of like not in a disparaging way because a man doesn't hit puberty t- until he's thirteen. I think it's the same kind of thing, mm. right? Where it's like once a guy, like I I know like. Like shout out to Jonathan West, like Jonathan West, another young guy. Right. And I, I tell him this, like, Jonathan, you are going to be a formidable man when you're 35 because he's got so much wisdom and so much hard work and so much heart. And it's like, and, and watching those things and same with you watching things, things, these things rise to completion, you know, <laughs> like when, like, like it, it was like when I was, when I, um, 
when I hit that age, it was like, it was, imagine like the space shuttle, you know, the space shuttle launches and you got these solid rocket boosters and they're like, right. It was at that age where it was like the solid rocket boosters turned off. And I was like, I can think, (laughs) right. It was this amazing thing. And it was such a, it was such a blessing. And so that, I think that's what happens around that. So like, yeah, you're feeling all this, like go conquer, destroy, right. In a good way. And like, and that's only going to serve you once you get to that point. It's like, oh, now I have, now I can bring all these other skills online. That's, that's how I think. Would you say that's when like the wisdom kind of fully bakes and matures? Is that, is that sort of like the, oh, uh, that happens at like 65, but like, uh, well, I mean, maybe it starts to take shape, let's say. Yes. Yes. Because like, um, one of the, so Glenn Barker, my mentor, who was my three year anniversary podcast guest. He was part of an organization called the Mankind Project. And mm-hmm. so the Mankind Project ran, ran these weekend men's initiations. The one that I staffed had the, the full leader said that, very wise man, he said that it takes 15 years to metabolize experience. Hmm. So if you think of a, of a heavy experience in your life, the, the, to, he, the full maturation of the wisdom that you'll get from that doesn't begin to emerge until 15 years after it happens. And I've actually found that to be true. Some very significant events in my life, like 15 years later, it's like, oh, that's why that happened. Like it took that long. Wow. And so if, if I love, and I love, and it's so true. And so I think that there's probably like, once you, once a man reaches about, it's probably true for women too, but he said it specifically to an audience of men. I think probably at 35, 36, like you begin to metabolize the experiences we have in our early 20s, which are always, it doesn't matter who you are, they're so formative because it's such a crucial time. I think that may be one of the reasons why is you finally beginning, begin getting wisdom from those early years of your life as a man where you're like strong enough to, to do whatever you want, but too dumb to know what to do. <laughs> oh, dude, for sure. And it's funny because you're absolutely right. And I'm trying to think, I'm like 15 years ago, I was 16. I'm like, oh God, I was like half retarded. <laughs> I'm like 15 years ago. I'm like, okay, so this, this makes sense. Like there's not, hasn't been enough life experience in general, but I find myself and it's so funny. Like you hit 30 and then you see some, I've coached some young men that are really ahead of the curve. And yeah, well, yeah. cause I was one of those guys that was, you know, somewhat ahead of the curve. Like maybe I was a little bit more wise than most, you know, idiot kids in their early twenties, mid twenties, whatever. But when you hear them speak, you hear the maturity, but in the maturity, there is like, there is this re- very real immaturity. You're like, oh, oh yeah, sure. yeah. You're, you're ahead of the curve, bro. But like, you're soft bellied. Like life has not mm-hmm. hit you yet. There's been nothing like mm. you can say, and you can theorize and pontificate and all these things very well. Cause you have maturity, but it's hollow because there's no experience to back it up. There's, it's not substantiated yet. So like I get these like right. articulate, like hot shot entrepreneur guys that I talk to. I'm like, yeah, listen, man, you're brilliant. You're a one dimensional man. Don't forget that. And like life has, you haven't gone through life yet at all. You can just hear it in their sure. voice. It's like you, you sell like a little Tony Robbins. Great power to you. We need, you know, to a degree, we need more men like that, right? That are grounded in God, let's say. Yeah, for but sure. you have to go through life. And it's funny because I'm not 35 yet, but I'm going to turn 31 in January. And so all of this stuff about our parents and our grandparents saying, you'll understand when you get older. And it's like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You are a hundred percent right about that. And there's still some mm-hmm. stuff where I'm sure, cause how old are you, Will? I'm, I'm 45. You're 45. See, I forget that all the time. It's not that I 45 know, is old. You too. just don't look, you don't look 45. 
That's what that's my that's point. Right. Yeah. A low mileage vehicle. <laughs> you're a low mileage Toyota baby. You're built to last. That's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what is it? Miles, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'm sure where you're sitting in that comment, like I didn't take it in any negative way at all. I'm sure you that's can fun. hear similar things in me like that that I see in those kids when they're in their tw- early twenties now, being on the oh, other yeah. side of 30, right? No, I I say this, I say this in a in a loving way because like in a way that's not disparaging, it's actually the intention is to provide hope, mm. which is to say that like we as men have have a life cycle, which is to say we move through seasons and stages of our life where we face specific challenges, and then those challenges like we they pass away, and then we move into a whole new set of challenges, and we can look back and draw wisdom from the previous set, and that goes on throughout our lives until we reach elder status, which very few men actually ever get to because they refuse to metabolize the wisdom of their previous mm-hmm. lives. They're yeah. busy chasing their youth, like whatever they think their youth is. Oh, whether they're, cha- whether they're like uh, chasing the heights in their 20s or whatever, they refuse to look forward to the future. But the men who are capable of looking forward to the future towards the way that mis- wisdom mat- matures through them are the men that have hope. It's like there's such enormous hope for men. Like, yes, of course, you know, when you're 50, you won't, you probably won't be deadlifting 800 pounds. Mm -hmm. So you'll have to set that gift aside, but these whole new other gifts will come online of wisdom and compassion, right? And strength, like an internal strength that you didn't even know that you had that give you this whole new rich experience of life. And that's what it means to have a life well lived. So I say these things as like, I've moved through these different phases and there's so much good stuff up ahead that's so new in these wonderful ways, but we have a youth fixated culture and like there's yeah. all different good mm-hmm. aspects of that, but there's bad aspects of that because it makes men afraid of this thing called middle age. Like, Oh God, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that. It's like, no, that's the beginning of the maturation of wisdom where you become a real man that can truly make a difference in the world. A young man like an Achilles absolutely can become a legendary, a legendary guy. But one thing about Achilles didn't have a family. You know what I mean? Like that, that was the deal. Like I think that was in the story. It's like, you can become a family and live to an old age, or you can become a legend and die young. He chose die young. That's, that's the thing that most, that's the thing that most men, they feel in their bones. Like that's what they want. They want that to go out in the blaze of heroic glory. But like most men don't ever actually get that. They should be blessed to be a father and a grandfather and a patriarch and to create a legacy and to be able to imagine being in your 70s or even 80s, and men are going to live longer than ever probably, right? Like all things being equal. And to be able to produce art or write a novel or a poem or a painting mm. to, to pass on wisdom to great grandchildren. How wonderful. And we're so caught up in questing after the Achilles go out in a blaze of glory dream. We have no vision of what it means to be a true elder. And I'll tell you what, a real elder a real elder, a man in his 80s who's metabolized wisdom can stop an army full of Achilles with a look. Like, mm. you know what, you know, what, right? And we don't have any concept of that notion of power. And, 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 and it's a real aspect of masculinity that we don't have a, a notion of, but it's so wonderful. And so I say these things to give hope that there's different versions of us up ahead, right? If we have the power to, I guess, submit into them. So... That's my no. That's that's well that. said. No, and I, that's exactly how I took it too, man. And it, it's cool now. Every time I speak to like my grandfather or somebody that I respect that's much mm-hmm. older than I really love and care about, I really want to listen to them. 
it's different than when it was in my 20s yeah. where i'm still i've got this like rebellious streak to me of course i i, I marched to be my own drum whatever praise god he's changing my heart but now that i'm getting older i understand that like i'm getting you know i'm 30 i'm starting to understand it i can wrap my head around it i really want to listen to these stories on a deeper level mm -hmm. because there is something that's so uh both tangible and intangible about that maturity and that wisdom you're like that was so profound how that like how did you come how did you come to that conclusion like, and it blows my mind because i can't really put my finger on it like you're like there's something there that i don't possess that like i can't mm -hmm. buy i can't cheat my way to it it's it's one of those things where like you know you can cheat a lift you can't cheat wisdom bro like you know it mm -hmm. in your gut when you hear an, an older man say yeah. something you can kind of, but like the heart and the spirit, if it's discerning, knows and understands. So like when my grandfather talks about something yeah. that happened in his youth or whatever, and how he's just like you said, metabolized that. Now you're like, whoa, wow. And you have to almost like sit with it. And and, and it, it becomes deeper and deeper as I get older. When I, when I listen to these older men have these, these stories, I'm much more intrigued. Because I guess every year that passes, mm -hmm. I'm like one step closer to like having that, that, that breadth of wisdom at my disposal. And that's the beautiful thing mm -hmm. about aging is like, yeah, we, we are in a youth obsessed culture to our detriment. Like yes. there's not like, okay, it's, it's great. The glory of a, a, of a, of a young man is his strength. I think uh, Solomon talks about that in Proverbs, but it's like, what's the glory of an older man? Well, that's his wisdom. Yes. His gray head. His gray head, man. It's like, yeah, that 800 pound strength is going to turn into like this different kind of strength. And I'm, man, I'm excited to see how that matures and how I can transition between those phases. That's going to be a beautiful transition, maybe slightly rocky to my ego. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about, you know, being rooted in Christ too. It's like, you're going to go through phases where he's going to break you down. And, but that's the part oh, yeah. of, of reaching that, that level of wisdom. I love the way you put that. Well, that's, that's profound, man. Yeah. Well, thank you. Shout out also to Jonathan West, who puts it even better than I do. He said, he said once like the glory of a young man is his strength and the glory of a young woman is her beauty. And our task as we age is to transition those from outer qualities to inner qualities. Boom. How old is Jonathan West, by the way? Yeah, crazy, crazy. Like your age. Yeah, crazy. that's wi that that's wild to that me. That guy. Even his voice, yeah. like you're just like, yeah, this guy knows something. <laughs> he does. He does. He, he knows a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, 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 the, that's the game. Yeah, man. Every time I listen to that guy talk, I'm like, I forget that he's that young. You forget that he's like, it makes me feel like I'm like 21 years old and got a lot to learn. I do have a lot to learn, but I'm so, um, I'm so blessed and honored to know you guys and have a circle of, of like you guys around me. Like what a gift that is. What a gift that I wish like so many men could share in yeah. just a brotherhood aspect of having all these wise men around you that we're all kind of after the same thing and sort of like in, in different ways. And we're in different places in our lives and different age brackets and all these things and how it's all kind of like work together. I know there, you know, with human beings, there's always drama and stuff in the background with certain people and stuff going on. But at the heart of it, like there's a lot of love in this circle, man. Mm -hmm. And like looking back on it, I actually look back at my first post and it was a year ago, almost to the day. Mm -hmm. And man, life has changed so much in just a year. Like I know you, I know Brendan, I'm doing all these things like praise God, man. I'm so grateful even to just have to be able to have this conversation. Like I've almost forgotten that we're on a podcast, man. Cause it's, it's just so, just so, so trippy to me that I'm even doing any of this stuff, bro. And it's like all glory to God, man. I mean, if, if there's anything to take from anything that we speak about, it's like, it's all him it points upwards, bro. And I know I'm, uh -oh. I'm on a side tangent again here, man, but it's it, honestly, dude, it still blows my mind. I make, I make these posts. I went from, you know, 
300 people to whatever, how many people, a modest audience. I was just talking to Kurt. I'm like, why did you, you guys have me on your podcast? Like, what's going on? Another thing, going back to an earlier point, we're talking about God releasing all of that negativity. I used to have imposter syndrome. I don't have that no more. Mm. No way. Mm -hmm. It's a God chose me for task. Because I hear... I hear that a lot, that a lot of men have imposter syndrome and they fear stepping into big things because they think that they're, talk how you work through that or, or how it was worked through you. My, well, my, my whole thing, I mean, I've struggled with this my whole life, whether it's like with my gym or with any of the stuff on Instagram, I'm like, why did you guys want to have me on this podcast? And then I, it, it, it's pretty simple in like how I can say it, how every man internalizes, obviously it's a little bit more difficult and complicated, but it's, God put this in my life for a reason. And so if he if he deems me fit for the task, then I am worthy of the task. So like when you asked me mm -hmm. to be on the conference, the first conference, I was like, oh my God, he's asking me to speak. Who am I? And then I prayed about it, I prayed about it, I prayed about it. And then like all the words came to me and I'm like, I'm going to rise to the occasion because God, you built me, you built me for it. This opportunity presented itself and I'm going to seize it. And with it's being presented, in that, I realized, dude, I'm worthy of this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the more times I repetitiously went through that and been on different, you know, podcasts and whatnot and seen my own modest success with my page and the business that I started on that, my God, yet yeah, you deemed this worthy because you allowed it to flow and to succeed. Maybe that's a bit too, like, I, I don't know. Hopefully there's something tangible no. there for guys to chew on, but it's like, if there's opportunities presenting itself, I understand the idea of like the reluctant, the reluctant leader, everybody, you know, it's always the guy that doesn't, that doesn't want to do the task that's fit to do the task where I've always known God's built me for a specific purpose mm -hmm. through all of this. I finally feel like I'm kind of on the doorstep of that, mm -hmm. of using the specific yeah. gifts that he's given me to bless other men, to point them to God, not because I'm anybody. And in that, there's that surety that like, you belong here. Don't worry about it. You belong mm -hmm. here. Because mm. I've seen a lot of guys try to come into the space and a lot of men have, have been flashes in the pan because I think a lot of them are after glory. I was never after glory. I was like, I just want to help guys out and use my yeah. message as an example. Like that's all I wanted. I don't care if, dude, I was talking like 150 people, not even a year ago. And then Brian King gave me a shout out and then it all kind of changed from there. So like in that God knew my intentions were good. I, I mean, you can come at that statement from a couple of different angles, but he knew my intention. Sure, there was a sincerity there. Right. And then he deemed me worthy yes. of the task. I believe and, me. I, I completely understand. I mean, have you ever felt that reluctance with what you got going on? You're like, man, or did it kind of just flow? You're like, no, God, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm, I'm, you're okay existing in that. I would say, um, I would say the best example that I could think of is when I was shooting the documentary. So mm -hmm. I had literally just started, it had been less, I had started the Renaissance of Men in October of 2020. And so suddenly, like six, seven months later, May of 2021, I'm on this like 110 day road trip across the country meeting with like 25 different leaders of the manosphere, right? Because there, there wasn't really any, you know, Christ, the Christian thing hadn't really kicked off in quite the same way yet. Yeah. So like, you know, there I am like spending three days with Ryan Mickler and there I am, you know, in Elliot Hulse's garage lifting stones and, you know, there I am like, awesome. uh, you know, yeah, exactly. Having all these incredible, having all these incredible experiences, hanging out with these guys. And, and there was, there were moments where I was like, what am I doing here? But then it's like, well, God put this on my heart. I must be the guy to do it. 
you know, and then I look back now, it's like, wow, what was I doing there? <laughs> right. But it's, there's, there's a way unless look when, when God, I mean, I, I, it was laid on my heart and there was such certainty with the feeling of when it was laid on my heart that I did, I never looked back and I never had any doubt doing it. Maybe I could have, maybe I should have, but it's hard to say because it hasn't been redeemed yet. But certainly like I was so convicted of the need to do that thing that it was like, I'm the guy to do it. And so like, I think there's a component of like, if you, if you really feel as a man, you, me, or anybody, if you really feel as a man that you have to be doing this thing, if you feel it on your heart in a godly way, then like you're the guy to do it. Right. In yep. the same way, like this task falls to you, ring bearer. If you can't do it, no one will. Like Frodo didn't think he was the guy. Frodo just thought he was going to go to Rivendell. And he's like, I can't so wait to Rivendell. Right. And then he gets to Rivendell. It's like, sorry, you're the guy that's got to tarry it all the way to Mordor. And he's like, I don't know. I can do it. And Gladriel's like, if you can't do it, no one will. I'm like, I guess I'm going to be the guy. <laughs> right? No kidding. And there's a way in which that's true for all of us. I, I yeah, it, it wouldn't be a uh, Ren of Men podcast episode without a Lord of the Rings reference, eh? Absolutely not. I honestly cannot get enough of those movies. There's a point where I would make fun of my wife endlessly. She's been to New Zealand. She's been to all those places where they was filmed and stuff. I'm like, you're such a nerd. And then I watched it. I'm like, no, I was stupid for judging you. I'm stupid. Fair. It's all right. (laughs) What a beautiful example. But no, it's true. And just like you said that it was really uh, a calling on your heart. It was imprinted on your heart. It was the same thing for me. It was, it was the same thing for me where it's like maybe this one day could turn into something where I'm actually making a living and I can replace my, and it pretty much has replaced personal training for me at this point. I still do online coaching. I still do that stuff, but there's going to be a point where I'm just doing all of this stuff full time, but that's in God's timing. That's not in my hands. And it was so trippy to me when I had that first coaching client and I'm like that imposter syndrome, it was kind of starting to float away. And here it is again. I'm like, am I some kind of life coach? I'm like, no, 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 no. You're trying to help these men. That's what you're trying to do. That's in your heart. It's in your soul. You care about making money, but you care about impact above the income, far above the income. Yes. So show up with that sincerity, with that intention, with that presence. And my God, like if you look at my testimonials, none of them are fake. I've worked with dozens of guys at this point, and they've all had breakthroughs, like praise to varying levels, of course. Praise God. But that's no, and I find myself, and you probably same thing with you, in some of these calls and some of these podcasts, whatever. I don't understand where some of these words that I'm saying come from. That's God. Sure. It's just like, mm-hmm. wh- where did this, all of a sudden it just got dropped out of the ether somewhere. That's that's providential wisdom, man. It's like, I could not have conjured that, yeah. that up if you had this topic, this issue in front of me and okay, come up with some solutions. I wouldn't be able to just like write it down and think about it in my own understanding. It's like God just flowed through those conversations. And to somebody that's never experienced that before, it sounds a bit strange. But I know you know exactly what I'm talking about, Matt. It's so insane. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Where does this knowledge come from? Like it doesn't, it doesn't come from, from within me. Like I figured out a few things. I think things through, but like there are these moments where it's like, where did that come from? Oh, that must be God's wisdom. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you can't tap into it. Like you can't just hit the button. It's a God just like lets it flow when he wants it to flow. And I think I find that so interesting about that. It's like, okay, I I know, I know, I know. I want to be wise. Conversation. Get me talk. Yeah, let it just let it flow. Making <laughs> wise right now. So let me flip the wise button. Yeah, yeah. It's like now we're just going to talk like idiots because we're being con- we're conscious of it. But it's it. What an amazing gift. But yeah, I mean, what's cool about this too versus the manosphere, everything that we're doing is that there's infinite space for other people. I think yeah. I, I don't yeah. think it's it, it's a thing where anybody's competing against one another. I, I mean, 
I, I want to hear more about that because like I feel that and I have to check that within myself because like I'm discovering just how naturally competitive I am. And it's like, is that because I'm naturally competitive or do I feel like people are competing with me? Like it's just my own, because I agree with you. I absolutely get the whole purpose of the Renaissance of men is like, we're not ultimately in competition with each other because I'm a very different man from you, from Brandon, from like, we're all very different from each other and we appeal to different kinds of men. And yet still in the back of my mind, there's like a zero sum game mentality going, which sucks and I hate it. So like maybe, so say more about that. Turn the thing the is, right, go. We, 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 yeah, I mean, and great topic, great <laughs> question. No, 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 putting me on the spot, but I love it. But the, the reality of it is, and I was talking to Will Noland about this. He's like, Mike, you should be offering this kind of, you know, coaching program, but about, and what it, and what we were talking about is like, guys are going to gravitate toward different personalities. Like, yes. I don't think there's going to be something profoundly different from your offering versus mine or Kurt's or Will's. Like it's all, maybe there's some, there's some like, yeah, there's some differences there and maybe the niche and, sure. or the category in which we're helping guys with, but people are hiring me because they want Mike's advice. People are hiring you. Some guys look at me, they're like, I would never want that guy's advice. I don't want to hear a word that guy says, mm -hmm. but will I want, I want what he's got. Even if it's a lot mm -hmm. of the similar things that I'm saying, they want to hear it from you. They want to hear it from your brain. Yes. Like I, I've never felt that I'm like any of us are competing, whether it's in the front of podcasts or coaching. Cause I understand there's an abundance of people out there that need help. And we all have a seat at the table. Oh, I'm yeah. not trying to take from you. You're not trying to take from me. You know, you could have a brotherhood. This guy could have a brotherhood, whatever. And we're all appealing to different guys that want to hear uniquely from us. And that's what's so cool about that identity we all have in Christ is that it, although we're speaking to the same core message, who we are as men and how those virtues present themselves are so fundamentally different. Some mm -hmm. guys, they see mm -hmm. me, the tattooed meathead with the crucifix on. They're like, yeah, that's, that's my coach. I'm, I speak to a demographic. You speak to a demographic. That's what's beautiful about our identity in Christ. So that's my greatest answer to that question. I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And, and thank you for thank you for reminding me of that because one of the things that I often say is that like you, you know, again, let's make a Lord of the Rings reference. Mm. Like there are nine different guys on that fellowship, and there are so many different other kinds of men that all make that story happen, right? Exactly. Because the Rohirrim are not part of that fellowship, and so, but even still, you've got all these different guys, and they're not looking at each other thinking that like, oh, you're useless or you're not man enough. It's like, you know, Frodo is in many ways just as manly as Aragorn, and, but in his own ways and Sam, like they all play a role. And that's the difference between the, between what we're doing here in Christ and the Manosphere is that, you know, the Manosphere tries to drive men towards this archetypal vision. Like exactly. he's got to look this way, or you have to look like me. It's like, no, you don't have to look like me. Like, follow me as I follow Christ, as, as Paul said. So, and God made you to be the specific man that you are, be him. Don't be like me. Be him, be who God made you to be, and that's good enough. Even if it doesn't look like, you know, whatever. Like, even if it's not what color is your Bugatti, you don't have to own a Bugatti, and you can still be a man. Hundred percent, man. And as long as we all have the understanding, which I think we all do, is that we're not here to glorify ourselves with like a cult of personality. Like, I don't want people to. I want to follow, I want to follow Mike. Brennan and I have talked about this. They're like, he, he was saying, Mike, you have a personality where guys are going to gravitate toward you. You can have like this cult-like presence. I do not want that. Some guys want that. I don't crave that. Oh, I yeah. do not, I do not crave that. I'm not one of these guys that wants this little echo chamber of little Mike minions. I just don't want that. What's so cool about this work too, is that like, it's so Christ focused. Like I don't, I don't work with secular people because it, I don't even know what to say to them. 
Hey, yeah, bro, I get um, I get uh, my girlfriend doesn't like when I watch porn. How do I do it? You're like, what I'm going to do is actually I'm going to give you your money back and we're not going to talk about this. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's like, go, go buy a Bible. Yeah. yeah, go, go buy a Bible, bro. Yeah, dude. You know, like I kind of believe in God, but anyways, I digress, but that's the thing. It's it, what's so cool is like the impact on these men, just like our, our, our differences in our personality, the, the difference there, you it's unique impacts because it just, it points them where they need to be pointed. Mm-hmm. And if you want to mm-hmm. actually make a lasting impact, don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about your bottom line and your, and your bottom line will be taken care of. Like, I'm not trying to get these guys to come coach with me forever. And I make that yeah, clear. No, graduate. Like, yeah, gra- exactly. Graduate and go, go off and do your thing. Spread your wings. Cause I know get God's going to provide for me. Get out of here, man. It's the same thing with my fitness yeah. coaching. It's like, stick around if you want to, I, I want you to, I love mm-hmm. you. But if I don't prepare you to do this on your own, I'm not actually preparing you to do anything. Yeah, no, you have to be able to uh, fly, get out of the nest, like by all means. And th- this is again, a manosphere thing because they have their funnels. And I, yeah, excuse me, I had to explain this to somebody recently. It's like the way that whole game works is you come into the funnel and you're just to, like the maximum lifetime value that you extract from your listener or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to just get them constantly to be giving you more money. So you get the maximum lifetime value out of your client exactly. or whatever it is. And it's, it's ultimately be, can become very parasitic and it's like, no, no, don't go out there, stay here with us. And I can break all those dyna- dynamics down. And I think it's gross because it doesn't heal men. Like the goal should be to fix them up, put them together, set them back out there and get out there and go live your life and, and, and lean on God, not me. And, but in the, in the secular world, it's like, no, you are my monthly recurring revenue. Don't go listen to anybody else. Yeah. It's like, no. The, and this is, this is my, this is my mantra. It's a ministry, not a market. It's a ministry, not a market. Healed men, healed and whole men, not money, <laughs> right? It's okay to make money from your gifts. That's fine. But where money becomes the goal for itself, instead of like an exchange of value for time and energy with the intention, mm-hmm. like I'm going to pour into you so that you become the man that you want to be. And if like, if you live a happy life and I never hear from you again, praise God, hallelujah. You don't have to stay here. Please don't, because I would rather have you be happy and fulfilled than be like some profit center. Oh, dude, ministry. You said ministry, not money. What did you say? It's a ministry, not a- Ministry, not, it's a ministry, not a market. Not a market, ministry, not a market. I love that. And we have to understand like the ripple effect that the help that we give these men is profound. I hear from guys oh, yeah. a few months later, the effect it's had on their marriage. And then through that, it'll affect their kids. It's like the ripple effect of all of the stuff that we're doing if it's not all for the collective good of God, then like, I don't, I don't understand a more meaningful path to me. Mm-hmm. Like this is, it's so it, it's, it, it blows my mind to hear some, to, to hear some of this stuff from this man, because these men, because I understand the effect it's going to have down the line. And then mm-hmm. by other people being in proximity of those men that are changing their hearts and they're walking with God, how many lives are going to be affected as a result of that? Just that influence like that sometimes trips me out. And I, I, I sit up at, at night thinking about it. And, and that is precisely what happens when you point people to the kingdom and you don't point people just to your funnel, you'll get That's monthly right. recurring revenue, but what else will you get past that? It, there, nothing, mm-hmm. nothing at all. You get and, cults. Of, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you, what you get is you get cults of personality. And the yeah. way that this works is the, the guy at the top, whoever is the, the, the influencer, let's say, ultimately, he gets people that are close to him and they're all trying to be like him. And then people come in underneath them and the guys that are in the middle 
they're bullying the guys below them. So ultimately, it's mid-level, it's, it's a multi-level marketing. It's a masculine That's MLM. Is. That's exactly what it is. Because ex- you're pointing to you. You are the ultimate fulfillment of all things masculine. There's nothing else out there. Stay here. And the guys closest who have spent the most money, like, and, and think that maybe they have a relationship, maybe they don't, they're bullying the guys beneath them to be, to be and that's all it is. Yep. That's all it is. And that's all that's out there. That's all that's out there. I've seen it. No, amen, bro. And that's why uh, I still, every day I wake up and to do the stuff that I do, I'm eternally grateful. And to, you know, have this opportunity to speak with you and have the impact. I think we're all walking side by side with this stuff, making impacts on yeah. men as individuals, pointing them where they need to be pointed. And to me, I don't think there's a greater work than, than what we're doing with this stuff, Will. So, yeah. I agree. It, I agree. It, it, to a point, it leaves me speechless, right? And, I'm, and I mean that with like sincerity. It's like, this is, this is yeah. so, it's such a cool place to be in, man. And glory I to really God. wish, um, glory to God. I really wish that, uh, and, and, you know, um, pray to God that some, someday this happens. I, I really hope that you and me and Brendan and Kurt and Ryan and Jonathan and all these guys, we've had all these really great connections online. I would really like it if someday we can just like all get together and spend the day together. It's an inevitability. You know, we'd at this have a point, lot, dude. It's inevitable. Yeah. Um, yeah. 100%. I have to put that together myself. Yeah, I think if, it, if there's a guy to put it together, it's you. Yeah. And just I'd know that, that I'm I'm there. I'm there 100%. I know it's all going to happen. God's timing, bro. We're all going to be in the same room together. Be like, remember when we talked about doing this? This is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all right, I'll that, start bro. I'll start working on that. I know Please. you got to I know that you got to get ready for for dinner time, but like uh but this has been amazing, dude. It's always so great to catch up with you. Yeah, man. Like I said, I'm honored to be on. I'm grateful to be on again. Um I'd stick around, speak for you, speak with you for the rest of the night. If I didn't have, you know, two children to go eat, eat with them. Dinner time is a yeah, precious yeah. time for us, as I'm sure. sure you can understand. But dude, I'm grateful for you, bro. I love you, man. I love everything that you're doing. I love watching your growth. You're a serious example, a brother. And, and in a lot of ways, I look up to you, man. So um, got nothing but love and respect for you, dude. Thank you for the opportunity again. Thank to be you. On. Thank you, man. Love you too, man. Like you're, you're such an inspiration to me and I'm such a, such a huge fan of you and what you do and the way that you do it always have been like boldness was like, that was you, that was you. And so, and so it just, it, it, it brings hope to my heart to see you have the success that you've had and to see you stepping into your role and to you being outspoken and just being you out there in, in the public square and being a redeemed man who's so open about your own story of, of salvation and, and redemption and showing the way for other men that can really relate to that in a very powerful way, like you're leading. And I can imagine there's, you know, hundreds, thousands of guys who see themselves and their future reflected in you and the path that you're walking. And I can see that and I can feel that. And that's, you know, what I, what I saw you doing a year ago and you've only gotten better and, and uh, better at it and more proficient at it. And you make a huge impact in a lot of men's lives, including mine. So thank you. That means a lot coming for you, man. And you know, the feeling is, feeling is mutual and uh, dude, I know we're going to continue this conversation. I'll probably be on at some point again. And if me and Brendan, yeah. we kind of have this like no interview format right now, but you already know you're at the top of the list if we ever do decide to to, to do the thing, let's, wherever God takes that. You know what I'm it. saying? Uh, yeah, love yeah, you yeah. so much, bro. For anybody that's, you know, wants to know more about me, I co-host the, the, the yeah. Masculine Revival podcast with Brendan. You can find me on Instagram, on YouTube, Mike Pantile. Uh, it's all about bringing uh, guys and gals to the kingdom. Will. I could say thank you a hundred times. I love you a hundred times, man. And I mean it. So thank you again, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform 
at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.